So we have a tweet here oh, yeah? from uh, IMDb. Sure. What did you think? Whoops. What did you think of the WandaVision finale? Read some replies here. Let's see what people think. Okay. Satisfied overall, although the fight sequences were a little generic. There's only so many times I can watch people shooting bolts at each other. That's a pretty measured, honest take. It was fantastic. See, I don't know. Big See, winky gift. I, the thing is, I don't think the wink is sarcastic. <laughs> like, that would make... If that person is a fan, that gif they just posted made them now say it was shitty. <laughs> and I don't know <laughs> if they know that or not. <laughs> it's iconic. And it shows that Wanda has potential than what people think. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think you forgot a word. Thank there. you. <clears throat> the following media includes potentially sensitive content. Okay. View. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's just a game. It's just the please. Uh, I want, some, want more. some more. That's very okay. Perfection. I haven't seen a perfection. lot of perfections. I didn't even see the beginning. What does that? Mean? It's so bad. Okay. Cringy. <laughs> I can see how children like it though. Fair enough. Boner. <laughs> see, you don't. You don't have the context for that. There is context for him saying boner. It's not just randomly. <laughs> Satisfying, fantastic, awesome. Okay, okay, okay. That's what we. I most think we got it. people on IMDb. They seem to like Wandavision. Well, you didn't watch Wandavision. Hi guys, it's the Stagler, episode twenty-four. I think uh, the spotlight we're talking about today is some films directed by women that we wanted to talk about. But before all that, we have to get into our weeks. So we're going to talk about Wandavision. Uh, I watched it all. You did not. You didn't even watch any at all. Nope. Clips. Nope. So you got nothing. So what happens in WandaVision? Tell me. So Wanda and Vision, I know they have like a black and white sitcom show. And they're like chilling. Okay. And they're living cool. But then you find out oh, Wanda is manipulating these people. And then the guy comes back with the card and he's like, didn't see that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And From then Ant-Man. Quicksilver shows up and he's like, yo, what's up guys? Yeah. And then. Wanda's like, oh, man, I don't know who you are. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, I'm Quicksilver, man. And then he runs really quick, and he gets Thanos. <laughs> and he takes the the green Infinity Stone back, and then he goes all the way back to Infinity War and stops Thanos from killing Vision. And then thus, WandaVision having never existed because Endgame never happened because Infinity War didn't happen. Okay, well, you're and that's the end of the show. Slightly off. Damn it! Very, I thought I was good on that. Slightly, slightly off. You got the first half right. Wanda basically took control. So she was sad about Vision. So she went and she saw that they were like experimenting on his body or whatever. And she's like, "That's kind of gross." So she goes to this town and she like does a big mind explosion and traps everybody in the town and they all become like her meat puppets and they just kind of do what her magic says and. They're aware that what what they're doing, but they can't control themselves. So, you know, they'll be crying and be like, hi, Wanda, how are you? But they're like bawling or whatever. Nice. And uh, so she's she'd be doing that, you know. Good for her. And she creates a fake vision uh, out of the reason he exists is because she got her powers from the Mind Stone as well. So she's able to kind of put that into this fake, you know, vision or whatever, I guess. That's what she said. You know, if you believe Wanda. And so she's living this happy life, and then people are like, oh, this isn't cool. And then you find out, and basically for like five episodes, like nothing important happens really. 
And then you find out that the neighbor, Agnes, is actually Agatha Harkness. She's a witch, except she knows how to use magic. Scarlet Witch, WandaVision, <laughs> Wanda Maximoff, she just kind of does it. But Agnes, like, studies it and, like, knows how to use it properly and stuff. So she's okay. like, oh, I know that spell, so I know how to beat it. I know how to, like, negate it or whatever. Right. So basically she's like, you have this little town. You can keep it, but you have to give me all your power. It's like she just wants the Scarlet Witch's power because it's the most – it's more powerful than the Sorcerer Supreme – it's chaos magic. It's the most powerful magic ever, right? Right. And Wanda's like, nah. She's like, okay. So they shoot each other with a bunch of laser bolts, and then Wanda learns a spell, and she does the spell where only her magic works. And then she's like, haha, got you. Thanks for teaching me that, idiot. And then she's like, I'm not going to kill you. I'm just going to brainwash you, and you'll turn into the character that you were pretending to be. You'll literally be a ditzy housewife, you know? So she's going to sit there until the Marvel universe needs her to come back as a villain again. Um, cool. She's just going to hang out and then vision and her family all die. And then the season ends. The series ends. Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a mini series. Oh, there's no season two. Cause the hex goes down. Everybody gets free. Uh, Monica Rambo has superpowers now that aren't really explained at all. I'm sure it'll come up later. And so she becomes Scarlet Witch. She actually gets her cool outfit finally, like with the get up. It's nice. And she flies off to the mountains and she starts studying magic. And I'm assuming it'll go right into the Doctor Strange movie. Cool. Yeah. I mean, the idea of what happens is like, oh, okay, that sounds interesting enough. I don't get it. Here's the thing. I guess it, it did start off like you can't deny that it started off fresher than basically anything else Marvel has done. Like a weird sitcom universe. Like, yeah, that's new, right? Sure. Yeah. But it ended like the same as everything else. Yeah. I can't believe that even in this show, the villain that they had to fight in the final episode for Wanda was just an evil version of Wanda powers. <laughs> and Visions was literally evil white vision. <laughs> like they can't help themselves from making the villains of these movies, the hero, except bad. Like, if they love to do that. It's like every single one. <laughs> Even in the show, know. they can't escape it. Uh, so that happens. There was a bit of a, I don't know if it was like a, call it a meme or whatever. But there's a tweet that was going around where in the second to last episode, which is the most emotionally packed episode of the whole series and probably of the whole, like, MCU, except for, like, Iron Man dying, I guess. Spoilers. Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding me? Anyway. It was a line that I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but it, it, or no, I'm not, I don't think, but Wanda's crying. This is right after Age of Ultron. Wanda's crying in her like apartment that she's living in with Vision and Vision comes over and she's like, oh, I'm just struck with all this grief. And Vision goes, what is grief if not love persevering? Saw that on Twitter. Right. Exactly. Everybody was talking about it. And the tweet was something that was like, do you hear that? That's the sound of every screenwriter in the world muttering under their breath. Fuck. <laughs> Like, I can't believe that's such a good line. Here's the thing. The line's not bad. Yeah. It's not an awful line, but, like, what is life if not come persevering? Like, you know, you can say it about, like, a lot of things. Like, you Dang. know, like, what is beautiful. what is cheese if not milk persevering? Hmm. There's a, there's, it's, it's workable. It's workable. So you see some good ones out there, you know? Deep. It's, it's not a bad line. I, people are saying, oh, that sucks. Like, oh, come on. It's fine. You know, yeah. it's good. It's, I'd be proud if I wrote that. Sure. But people who are like, oh, my gosh, Scorsese, 
this just proves him wrong once and for all. <laughs> this one line for character development that should have happened f- seven movies ago. <laughs> like you're you're finally seeing Wanda like actually process emotions. Like if I didn't hate Age of Ultron so much, it would make me want to go back and watch Age of Ultron again with this new context. So it's a weird feeling where it's like a lot of people are appreciative of it, but I'm just like, why couldn't I have seen this scene? Yeah. <laughs> like back in the day, you know, why do I have to wait until everybody's like visibly older <laughs> to be like, oh, here's the character development <laughs> that you ordered, sir. I don't know. The very final fight, as the one tweet said, a lot of lasers flying at each other. Just effects were I mean, fine, but not nearly as good as a movie. Right. You definitely saw the seams at certain points. You know, it it straddled the line between, like, you know, like, Agatha comes to Halloween Town type vibes, (laughs) you know? Okay. Like, I don't know. It was... I don't get it. But that's how it's always been. So, really, what I'm trying to say is nothing's changed. (laughs) Marvel's the same as it's always been. People love it, and then people don't. And it's the same. So if you liked Marvel all the way up to then, you'll keep liking it. It, it, I don't know. Because really the beginning set it up for like maybe they could really go somewhere, but it just fell back into the old tricks by the end. So it's like, why bother? And here's the thing. So Wanda, you know, captured this town of like 4,000 people and made them her meat puppets. And then she just like escapes. And who knows if she's ever going to have to pay for that or anything or if they're even gonna address i think she said sorry to like one person and they were like no i would have done it too and i'm just like okay oh yeah me too man i would have done that one person who also wasn't even like mind controlled she was just watching and she's like no it's okay that you mind controlled all these people i would have done it too like fuck these guys (laughs) jeez i don't know i was not very impressed by it i think the show probably has like two good episodes out of like nine maybe three if you kind of take parts from each episode, you would get like three good episodes. It's better than zero. Better than zero. Better than zero. Who knows? Maybe the Dr. Seuss movie will be better. Yeah. Maybe. That was WandaVision. Uh, what else did I do this week? If I just want to continue with mine. Um, keep on watch Higurashi. Basically... I don't know if you remember, but Rika was this little girl who was stuck in a time loop for a hundred yes. of years, reliving her death over and over. And then a different God came out to her best friend, Sadako, and was like, hey, I know that your best friend is leaving town. Do you want a power to live in loop so you can convince her not to live town? And she's like, oh, okay, sure. I want my best friend to stay. And then she's like, okay, this is what's been happening to her for the past hundred years. And she watches her like die horribly. For like, She literally sits there and lives it, and she comes out of it. And she's like, oh, so to convince her, I should keep murdering her. And that's where the show's at now. Nice. So you have these like two, you know, eight-year-olds just, you know, killing each other. Casual. Just whatever. And let's talk about the one movie I watched before we move on to Attack on Titan. Yeah. I watched a movie from 1997. That's so old. That's so old. Oy. Directed by Michael Haneke. Haneke. And I don't know. H-A-N-E-K-E. It's called Funny Games. Okay, have have you heard of this film? Okay, well, that's all right. Um, I had heard of it, but I didn't know much about it other than I've always wanted to see it for a very long time. It's been on my list. Okay. It is about two, you know, kind of like young adult, maybe late adolescent guys 
who visit this kind of family on vacation and their house on the lake and they uh you know terrorize and try to murder them nice so you know it's kind of common fare that's the setup for a lot of films this is not a film this is like a research it's like a thesis statement it's like a you know it's like a art piece or something you know it's trying to say something about society okay i loved it <laughs> i may, may have seemed like i was setting it up to be bad i actually really liked it nice um even though i don't necessarily agree with it and i'll get into that in one second so you the movie starts and you have this family a mom a dad and a little boy he's like seven maybe right and they're driving and they're listening to opera and it's like oh do you like bakievi or whatever and it's like oh this sounds like astralto you know or whoever these people are singing opera and they're like being all nice and having a fun time. He's like, Oh, I can't wait to be on the water, blah, blah, blah. So we're driving to the road. And then when the title drops, it just switches to like hardcore, like screaming death metal. Like <laughs> it's like, <laughs> while they're like listening to opera. And that's when you kind of know what kind of movie you're in for at that point. And, uh, when these two, you know, like I'll call them teens. I forget how old they are, but they're young, uh, come over and start kind of, you see him kind of like scoping the place out while they're talking to everybody. It's like, oh, yeah, we live on the house, you know, just next door. They're kind of scoping things out. They're just being a nuisance, really. And they quickly switch from like being a nuisance to being like a threat because they take a golf club and they just bash the dad's kneecap in like right away. So the like dangerous Abby. guy is because you're left with, you know, the mom and the kid, you know, who they both together can easily overpower, you know? Yeah. And the film is a statement on from what i got from it violence in movies it's trying to make a statement on violence which isn't maybe it was new at the time but right now it's not necessarily anything super new that we haven't seen um it messes it's a statement on people who watch movies like this thrillers and horrors and what people get out of it and the sanitization of the violence that we see in film you know like how it's very often unreal you know and it is a movie that is probably some of the most, like, realistic feeling depictions. Like, when you watch this movie, you will not feel good. You should feel, like, sick to your stomach. It is not fun to watch. You know what I mean? You're, like, watching this family get terrorized. Like, you're like, oh, my God. And there's a technique that he uses to kind of help string you along. And uh, I think I want to say, like, four or five times during the film... He'll have the main psycho dude who is honestly, he's well-dressed. He speaks well, you know, he's like a normal dude. He's not some kind of crazy psychopath. He's just like a guy, you know, he'll break the fourth wall and he'll, the first thing he does, he looks at the camera and he winks, you know, that's the very first things he does. And then later on, he'll look to the camera and be like, you're rooting for them, aren't you? Right. And then Mm. he'll go back to doing whatever. And then he's like, oh, well, we can't end yet. Uh, we haven't had, uh, we haven't made feature length film yet. You know, it's like, we have, to, we have to keep going. We have to, you know? Yeah. And basically the idea that he has behind is that I think he said in an interview is that the people who watch this movie to its end are the people that this movie was made for. You know, it's about um, almost putting some of the, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Blaming the audience a little bit. Like they're culpable. They're part of, they're complicit in the action that's happening on screen by staying and watching it instead of turning it off or walking out of the theater. You know, mm. that's kind of the statement that he's trying to make. And I don't necessarily agree with that. If you saw the movie for free, maybe I would, I think this would be a more solid argument, but it's like you paid for the movie. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like there is a bit of a different dynamic when you're like paying for a product to like just refuse the. I don't know. But again, paying for the product is like, why does it exist in the first place? Because of us, you know, because of people who do stuff like that. And so the movie knows all of the the setups with these kind of films. Like, okay. So if I told you, since you're kind of an outsider to the genre a little bit, if I told you the setup was like, there's a family with a dog. It's a mom, a dad, and a little kid and a dog. And these two teens come and they, you know, tie him up and they're going to kill him. It's called Funny Games. They're like making a game out of it, right? They're ma- trying to make it entertainment. So if I told you that was the setup, how would you think the movie would end? As an outsider, of what you know of the expectations of these kind of films, do you have any idea? They, they, the family wins in the end. Right. There's Usually there would generally wins. be one survivor yeah. of the family. Um, and then they would get some sort of comeuppance at the end. So he basically takes these expectations and gets real up close to them and takes them away at the end. So one thing that happened is generally a lot of the times um, you don't see much cruelty in animals. Sometimes animals like to get away or they'll bark or like know the evil and stuff like that. So the first thing that does is the dog gets killed, right? It's the first thing to go. And then another big kind of understanding of these films is that children generally don't get it too bad and this one uh spoilers kid gets his head blown off by a shotgun right nice. and he's like the first one to go and uh it's that moment that i kind of really caught on to what was happening in the film because this was right after the kid tried to escape and he got really close but he got caught right at the end right when the kid dies it happens off screen while the main psycho dude, you're following him into the kitchen when he's making a sandwich and the kid gets shot off screen by the other guy. Right. And every, or almost every uh, piece of violence in the film happens off screen. So it leaves it all to your imagination, which can really make it even a little bit more twisted because it's just whatever Mm -hmm. the worst thing you can think up is what's happening, you know? So I thought that was very effective. And he uses those fourth wall breaks. Like I said, usually right before these very dark, like a child dying, you know, right before these dark moments to pull you out of the film, break your immersion so that you don't get so wrapped up into it that, you know, it turns you off completely. You mm. know what I mean? Um, which I, I thought was pretty effective, but it's also a little like duplicitous when you're like, oh, you watch the whole thing. That means you're bad when you designed it kind of this way, yeah. whatever. And it's a movie you want to make money. There's, I'll, I'll get back to that. Um, Oh, so yeah, so the kid gets going and then you think, oh, it's the mom. The mom's going to get away. And at the end of the film, no, the mom doesn't get away. They tie her up. They throw her into the lake. That's the end of the movie is them moving on to just the next house, you know, and they open the door and they say the same thing that they said at the beginning. And he looks at the camera and he smiles. Right. So it's just like, oh, it's going to continue and continue. They're going to like get away with it. Another thing he does is the, the killers have no motivation. They have no backstory. They barely have names, you know. It's like they could be anybody. It doesn't really matter. The only thing that gets me with this film is that I feel like it's kind of unfair, at least in what I saw, I couldn't really 
take anything away from it. I think it's a little unfair for the director to like wash his hands of it, you know? And I feel that's a bit of a weakness. That's why I'm not, I don't think this is like a masterpiece 10 out of 10 because of that one thing. Yeah. Is he, he doesn't seem to make any statement on his role in all of this, you know, where it really seems like there should be Mm -hmm. because there's, he's saying the killers are us. We're the murderers, right? But you're the director and he has nothing to say about him making it and putting it out or even saying, getting away from it and saying other directors, you know what I mean? How he seemed to make no statement on that at all felt like a cop out almost to like, if he was ignorant of even the idea of it, then that's even worse. Yeah. But that's the one thing that really bugged me is that there seemed to be no clear, this is my role in it too. He was just like, no, it's not me. It's all you guys. It's all, it's all everybody else. I'm totally fine. You know? So that's the one thing that kind of bugged me about it was his isolation from the whole thing. Still very, very good. I bought it. Probably will never watch it <laughs> because <laughs> but it's, you got it. It's not one of the things. Um, it's something that I want to get into later. Should I save it for later for fat girl talk or should I say it now? That's up to you. I'll get into the meat of it later, but I think this is a movie that gets better once it's over. <laughs> and we can talk about that when we talk about fat girl later for just like a second, just like a second. We'll talk about that movie, but yeah, funny games. I think it's really good. It'll make you feel bad. So don't watch it. If you want to feel bad. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a shot that the one that probably sticks with me the most is the shot right after the kid dies. The murderers are like, you weren't the one guy's like, you weren't supposed to act like you weren't supposed to do that. And they leave, you know, and it's like, okay, ciao. Sorry. Right. Sorry. <laughs> and they leave and it's a shot. It's probably like five minutes of the mom just like sitting there and the kids like feet are right on the frame, but mm. he's out of frame, you know, and she's just sitting there like coming to terms with the grief or whatever. And I was like, yeah, okay. Now you get it. <laughs> Let me say this. Okay. I actually, how I said I didn't like it until it was over, that's not entirely true. I liked it until what I would call the climax of the film, where they're doing like a sick game. They're like telling the mom to say a prayer or whatever. And in a moment of distraction, she grabs the rifle that they had and she blows one of the guys away, you know? And I read that when this was originally doing like festivals or whatever, the whole audience started clapping, cheering. Yeah. Get like, cause they were just sick. They'd gotten their way. They start cheering and clapping. The guys, it's the most visceral piece of violence. It's the only violence that's shown on screen, you know, and he gets blown away. Blood spurts across the wall and the guy freaks out. He's like, oh my God, you fucking killed him, whatever, whatever. And he goes, where's the remote? He's like, where's the remote? And he's looking, he's digging through the couches. He finds the remote and he presses the rewind button and it goes until she grabs the shotgun and he stops her and he goes, that's not going to happen. Oh, you know what I mean? And that was the moment where I was actually like, okay, you're serious about what you're trying to say, you know, to give that catharsis and then most cruelly take it away when that's the one thing in these movies that you're waiting for to give it and take it away is like even more sick than not Mm. giving it at all, you know? And that's when I was, this movie kind of pushed over the edge where I was like, okay, yeah, he means business at this point, you know, you mean business. So yeah, that that's, that's what I'll say. I recommend it <laughs> tentatively. Dang. Funny games. 
funny games. I have it if you want to borrow it. Just any time. You can give me come and see, and I'll give you funny games. Okay. There we go. All right. And now it's Attack on Titan time. Shigeki no Kyoshi. Eren Yeager. Eren Yeager. And Ben and Mia. Ben and Mia. Falco and Gabby. Oh, right. Those big names they took <laughs> like, when what? they went to the orphanage. Um, you They brought back, bringing back like a lot of people who like lived, basically. Except for Rico. Dude, the whole time <laughs> I was like looking, I was literally leaning in my chair trying to like look behind like Pixis and stuff. I was like, is she back there? Is Rico in the corner? Is she, or does she have her glasses? She's doing her, she's living her best life. That's my headcanon is that Rico is just like, fuck this. She's got her own Rico Island. She's just chilling. And she's just chilling. She's like vabbing like a mad queen. <laughs> anyway. What's up? Uh, yeah, we had two more episodes. There's mm-hmm. only four episodes left. Yes. Um, yeah, we had the Falco and Gabby episode where it was it was like the whole episode was just them. Focused I don't even think them. everyone anyone else is in it. Maybe for like a second or two. Gabby totally bricks a guy. And they escape. Yeah, she smoked him good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Even Falco's like, okay, okay. Yeah, he's like, all right, you got him. <laughs> um, she is eager to kill, but it looks like she's being broken of that brainwashing a little bit by the end of the episode. She's beginning her existential crisis. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I, I don't know. Do you really think she's going to turn around? Well, I mean, I don't know. Have you read that she turns around? Don't tell me. Where are you? I don't know. Uh, I was going to say for after we talked about the episodes, but I, I will say that I'm completely caught up ah, in the Attack on Titan manga. Okay, okay. There's only two chapters left, and then it's over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, pretty exciting. The Chapter 138 comes out on March 9th oh. in like a few days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a really big deal. That is a big deal. Okay. So, yes, I know what happens. All right. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> I, I'll just say that I don't see it happening. Or if it does happen, she'll die immediately after. <laughs> She'll be like, you know what? Maybe they aren't so bad. And then Connie's going to like shoot her to death. <laughs> Connie's like, fuck you. So you killed Sasha. Like what? Uh, anyway. And then the latest episode yes. was um, Eren Yeager. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he said, you know what? Peace. I'm outie. Yeah, I'm going to join up it. with the, the gang. The Yeagerists. Right, Jaegerist. I was trying to think. That's what they decided on. Was the Jaeger. Are you a Jaegerist? Um, maybe not. So there's like three. There's like the Jaegerists, the Marleyans, mm. and then like the Paradise people, which would be like Hanji and like Levi. They're Jaegerists, but don't they call themselves New Eldians or something? Yeah, but... Yeah, sure, whatever. They're Jaegerists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they are pretty serious. They... They mean business. They... Almost blew up Mikasa and Armin. Like, very close. Yeah. Almost blew them up. They like, took out the commander. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, good riddance. Who cares? You didn't like Zach? No. Commander Zach? No. You didn't like him? Uh, no, good he's my favorite character right behind Rico. Yeah. Maybe he, maybe he was Rico in disguise. <gasps> Could be. Could be. Could be. Dang. No, but that happened. That was pretty shocking. Moment. Shocking, yeah. You saw the the crowd get really riled up and be like, "This is our moment," you know. Yeah, that part was actually I really liked that because they start doing the the chant, the um, dedicate your hearts mm. or whatever. Which mm. you know, the whole show has been used as like something like powerful, but now it's being used as like almost like a evil 
If you want to see it that way. Yeah. I I really they are painting obviously the Yegaris is like bad, but we really don't know the full picture. At least I don't. Unless I should should. Well, no, it's just kinda like whatever right. you think. So it's like uh I don't everyone's just kinda like, hmm. I know that everyone's trying their best. That's all, what I know. All I know is whatever side Hanji is on, that's the side. Well Hanji's on. on the Yegaris side. No, wait. Yes. She is. Or she wants, she's saying that, like, who said it? Where it was like, guys, maybe we should just be like, okay, what do you want? That's that Pixies. Pixies. That's Pixies. Yeah. Yeah. He said, yeah. we should surrender. <laughs> He's like, yeah, guys, let's just give it up. Everyone's like, oh, Nani? <laughs> Nani? <laughs> right. Um, show is it's better than it was before. <laughs> what? Right? What do you mean? Season one was like to me fine. Season two was good. Season three was great. Season four has been like the show gets better. Yeah, yeah. It's it's maintained its uphill climb. Mm. Um, I'm very impressed by that. That it hasn't lost traction yet. Oh, <laughs> you have doubts? No, you doubt the All Father Isayama? <laughs> no, I do not. Um, I'm just saying, you know, yeah. to be careful that I don't want to get my hopes too high. But it seems good. Yeah. Um. The cliffhanger at the end, what'd you think? What cliffhanger? Peak. Oh, sure. Sorry, I don't think of that as a cliffhanger, really. How's that not a cliffhanger? She's infiltrated uh, Paradise. Yeah, I don't know. It's just not what I think of as a cliffhanger, because I know what she's... I don't know what she's doing, but I know that she's spying and stuff. Like, you know what I mean? Because they want to do a... They want to do a immediate counterattack, even though... So that they won't have the troops to defend everything, you know? They won't be expecting an immediate counterattack... So they're like, that's the best course of action. Peek's great. She's a little spy girl. She's we a love spy Peek. Kid. Yeah. We? You don't like Peek? I, you're you, a I huge thought, cart I thought titan. you didn't like Peek. You're always I like, don't like the titans. Don't. I don't like the cart titan. There's a difference between the titan and the person. They're one of Peek is a baddie. They're both baddies. <laughs> cart, titan. <laughs> cart titan is so a baddie. Okay. On all fours, all times. We can agree to disagree on that. Sure. Front. Peak's great, though. We can agree to agree on that. Yeah, Peak. We love Peak. Um, yeah, there's four episodes left. Um, they should be good ones. They should be From good ones. From my knowledge, I would say the last four episodes should all be bangers. Sweet. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Um, and then hopefully they do a part two. And a movie. And a video game. And then a comic book. I don't want a movie, to be honest. That's my thing. I really want them to do a part two to the season. But what if it meant way more budget? If they did a movie? Yeah. What if they meant Well, like... okay. They can do movies, but they as long as they cover everything. Okay. Because they've been doing a really great job, especially MAPPA, mm. with like covering everything. Um, and there's been a really great adaptation. I don't want a movie to like, you know, ruin some of that where they have to cut some things because... Time. It's, it's a lot. There's a lot going on. Okay. I mean, I agree with that. I... Yeah, I agree. I don't. I was just kind of saying it. <laughs> we can throw it around to the rest of your week then. Uh, yeah. Um, speaking of Mappa, they have another show. <gasps> don't know if you ever heard of it. Called Jujutsu Kaisen. Mm. It's like the new big thing. Yeah. Um, I actually stopped hearing about it. Is it over? No. Weird. It kind of just. I usually have a. Really, you stopped hearing about it. Yeah. Isn't that strange? Well, it is strange because I wanted to bring it up because I thought the latest two episodes were like. Knock out of the park craziness. Oh, awesome. Good. Um, 
I mean, like the animation is like on a whole nother level that I've like never seen before. It is like on freaking real. Sweet. Um, and I mean, I don't know. I just wanted to bring it up that it's been pretty freaking cool for the past few episodes. All right. And I very much enjoy the show. And I wanted to give an update on the promised Neverland. I have decided to not continue. I said I was going to continue, mm. but I have decided to not. Maybe I will go back on that, but I just have no drive. I was like, do I really want to watch the promised Neverland? <laughs> no. How do I want to spend 20 minutes? Oh, how things have changed. I, it seems like just yesterday you were like, guys, this promised Neverland show is really good. Because <laughs> it was really good. Uh, so yeah, we're just not going to talk about that anymore unless I feel like it. Okay. Fair enough. So yeah, that was it though. What if the kids from Narnia had guns? That's what I was told the promised Neverland was about, but that might've been the arc they skipped. So (laughs) might've been because I don't know. (laughs) Okay. Is that all for your week? That was it. Yeah. I didn't do anything else. Sweet, 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 sweet. That means we can move on to the news and it's no problem at all the news all right guys you know you guys already know you guys oh, know here the news. We go. i already told you the news this week you guys don't need this part of the show for real angel manuel soto to direct blue beetle dc films first latino superhero movie where have i heard, that? Where have I heard that before blue beetle movie hmm. hmm it's like people doubt me you know it's like people think like guys i talked to rom Okay. He gave me eyes on the inside. All right. I know what's going on. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, you do. I'm very excited because obviously this is the question last week was what superhero movie would you want to see? And I said Blue Beetle. So very obviously I'm very excited for this. The Hollywood executives heard you, heard your plea, and they were like, you know what? Yeah. So Soto's movie will focus on the most recent version of Blue Beetle introduced in 2006 as a Mexican-American teenager named Jamie Reyes. His powers come from a mysterious scarab that binds to Reyes' spine and provides him with a powerful suit of blue alien armor that can also equip him with bespoke weapons and wings. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. So my question is, who would you cast as the Blue Beetle? Young? Young dude? What do we got? I don't know many young actors anymore. The person who comes to my, when I read young Mexican-American teenager, the very first person who comes to my mind is... uh. I think his name is Jake T. Austin from Wizards of Waverly Place. The Max? No, he's got to be, like, way too old now. Well, maybe to be, like, a teenager teenager, but if they did... They have 20-year-olds playing teenagers all the time. Look at Clueless. Jake T. Austin. Does he even act anymore? Look. Let's see. What's he been doing? I don't know. Oh, boy. Here we go. He's just who I I thought of first. Again, he's probably super old now. I guess he would be too old to do the role. But he was just the first name that popped up in my head. Yeah, Jake that's T. Him. Austin. You remember him, right? Yes. Okay. Cool. Try, how could I forget? Right. Exactly. Which is where we placed was amazing. Nineteen ninety four. Oh, he was in the Emoji Movie. Good. Oh, see, of course, he's just in everything nowadays. Yeah. No, this guy doesn't act anymore. He, he's like really. Wait, just he not already doing is it. Blue Beetle. What? Look. <laughs> oh. <laughs> He plays Blue Beetle, the voice. He voices Blue Beetle in Teen Titans: and, The Judas Contract. Oh, and the and Justice Just- League action. So I guess he's the voice for Blue Beetle in Justice League versus Teen Titans. Well, look at that. 
Maybe it wouldn't be such Do a Do you bad know idea. something? I, eyes on the inside. What is your deal? <laughs> I don't know, man. And then he was just in the Emoji movie. Very right. cool. So, yeah, maybe if they... Teenager, he maybe is a little bit too old, but 19 is a teenager. Isn't yeah, that's it? true. <laughs> well, he was... Yeah. Okay, I guess he's not that old. Yeah. That's crazy. How crazy. did you know that? Okay. It's the first name that popped in my head. Rom, the vacuous spider, is just... He got me, bro. I like Bloodborne. (laughs) (laughs) Studio Ghibli's Spirited Away is being adapted into a stage play. Studio Ghibli's Spirited Away is being adapted into a stage play. Way too much Raku. (laughs) (laughs) It rhymes, so I wonder if they were doing something there. I thought haikus weren't supposed to rhyme. They don't have to. I think haikus have to follow the the syllable structure and they also are supposed to be have one reference to like weather or something i think it's like a traditional haiku hold on i I have it spirited away adapted into stage play i it's will snowing watch. on mount fuji i will watch all day no because it's on weather the last line has to be it's snowing on mount fuji no <laughs> what <laughs> i just that was my Spirited Away haiku. It was a haiku, except you didn't notice the weather, so it's technically not. It's a Americanized haiku. I don't know. Sure. I'm not going to ever yeah. see it. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's so, not like we can see it. So <laughs> It's cool. Apparently, they did it for Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, apparently, but they're doing a Spirited Away. I mean, it's nice. I like things being ad- adapted in different yeah, mediums. It's, cool. it's a neat idea, but uh, I'm never good to see it, so... Maybe in like 12 years when they release it on Disney+. Plus. That's what I was thinking. Like something like that. I guess I could see it then. Um, or HBO Max, I guess. The new Spider-Man movie had a title confirmed. The one with the trio? The trio? Yeah, the trio of Spider-Man. That is non-confirmed. Of course it's not confirmed because <laughs> they're waiting to reveal it. It's probably true, but there's no actual... What's the name of it? Oh, it's Spider-Man... Uh, no way home. It's because they had the home. So there's there. Spider-Man Homecoming, Homecoming. Spider-Man Far From Home, and now Spider-Man No Way Home. They did a, I don't know if you saw the actual announcement, but it was um, Tom Holland, Zendaya, and psh, Ned. My bad, dude. I don't, Dang. <laughs> I don't know. I feel bad. I do too. And they were saying, like, oh, what's the title? And they're like, oh, you always leak stuff. haha, ha, whatever, funny. And they had promotional posters for Spider-Man Phone Home, uh, Spider-Man Home Slice, and Spider-Man something else with Home or whatever. And they're like, no, the real title is No Way Home. So, yeah. Interesting. We already know I that. I haven't even seen the second one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who knows, guys? Now, here's some interesting news. Yes, very. Avatar, the last Airbender franchise to expand with launch of Nickelodeon's Avatar Studios animated theatrical film in the works. Now, why? That's my thing. (laughs) Why now instead of were they is this trying to get off the backs of the awful M. Night movie? Is this them like waiting until the fires die down from that? trash you know because like you would think this would have happened 
like after Korra or, you know, like yeah. right around Korra or something like, you know, that's why it makes me think that because Korra was not well received, even though I thought it was good. It wasn't as great as an avatar, but it was still good. I don't think Korra was not well received. But you, There's a lot of Korra haters. There are. There is a I loud. Think, I think the Korra haters are very loud. Probably. I don't know. That's because they're scared that Korra could beat them up. The show definitely has its problems, but I still think it's good, and I wish we would have just got the next Avatar show or whatever. But I will say, more. hold on, I just have to have a hot take right now. Yeah, okay. Season three of Korra is the best season of any of the Avatar and Korra, but Avatar is a, is a better show yeah. all the way through, but season three of Korra is the best. Mm. That's just my opinion. I think the main thing with Korra, I, we might have even spoken about it before, is that I think she's just a hard character to like, where Aang is really easy to like. Sorry, Ong. Ong is really Ong. easy to Soka. like. You know, he's got that kind of innocent purity. He's got to know there must be a way for justice and peace to prevail, you know, where Lame. Korra's like a bitch. <laughs> she's, she's complicated. She's uh, a stupid bitch is her character. And she's, she's not stubborn. Stupid. She is. She's very often makes dumb decisions. That's what makes her a hard character to like is because she's stubborn. She's bullheaded. You know, I like Korra. and the thing really with I know I like Cora, too. But the thing really is that they never because of how the production was done, how they said you get one season. Then they said, oh, you'll get three seasons. They're like, OK, you get one more season or however they did it. I'm sure that has something to do with it. That her learning and changing from that is never she resets a lot because mm. they kind of need to do the arc and have it complete again, you know? Yeah. So she'll kind of reset to how she was at the beginning of season one, which can really be off putting. And I understand that. Like it's, it's understandable enough that I say, if people don't like the show, I'm like, fair. Okay. You know, mm. I won't even fight people on it, even though I think it is good. So that's why the only reason I can think is that it was the M night movie, which everybody hated <laughs> and there's no, discourse on yeah that. And there's no discourse it's it just sad sucks that this is maybe why this took so long to get made wasn't there the tv show now too the like live action tv show was that a t oh yeah that was supposed to be a tv show but it the original creators who are in this avatar studios stepped away from that yeah which it, i can't wait for that to come out i'm sure it'll be great isn't that the one where they're making Sokka the younger brother yeah which is dumb what's and, the point right exactly like i don't know whatever I hope whatever they make with Avatar Studios is cool. It's going to be on Paramount Plus. No, is it really? You're fucked. <laughs> and Nickelodeon, as well as third-party platforms and theatrical releases. I guess I won't be seeing it. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm not getting Paramount Plus. I don't. I'm, like, not, I'm not getting, getting that. Either. No, I have enough. If they have, a, they have a free trial, I'll binge it all. I'll be like, good, thank you, Paramount Plus. And I'll yep, cancel. Um, so they are not just doing the movie though. They said they had plans for more series, you know, oh, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of cool stuff that they can do. Right. It, it's the whole idea is that it's based on the franchise's world. And it makes me wonder if they're going to have stories just without the avatar at all. Mm. You know, is this, they're going to be just, this is a kid who's from, the earth nation he lives in bossing say and this is just like him doing stuff you know what i mean mm. 
It's just like a self-contained story because, like, guys, you can do that. Star Wars. (laughs) (laughs) It's like you can have this story in a universe where these benders just exist and the Avatar doesn't have to be Mm -hmm. the main thing. It has to be in every episode, blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. So if that's what they're doing, very exciting to me. That would be cool. Um, We need a whole show of just the bending tournaments. Literally, if they made uh, the anime about volleyball. Haiku, haiku, <gasps> but it was just, just the bending, tr- just the bending tournaments. Like that's gold. It's genius. If Japanese people can do it, so can whoever makes Avatar. Canadians, I don't know. <laughs> French, I don't know. But that would be sick. Lots of opportunity. Yeah, definitely. Here. There's plenty of stuff they can do. The only issue that they really have with this universe is that different avatars are, you know, like a hundred years apart. So if they go backwards, things technologically kind of did stay the same for like thousands of years. So they do have room backwards, but forwards past Korra, you're going to be seeing like a very quick, quick revolution of tech and stuff like Mm -hmm. that, which we already have, you know. So going forward would definitely be a bigger challenge. Going backwards would probably be a lot easier. That'd be interesting, though, if they did like a modern show. Right, exactly. Like, that'd be sweet. Actually, like, updated, you know? Like, they have cell phones. Yeah, they got, like, phones and stuff. Right. That'd be kind of cool. Um, and then going backwards, the other thing, of course, being that all those avatars are already established. You know, we know a lot. We don't know all of them, obviously. But we know a lot of the past avatars. Mm. So there are certain restrictions if they stay just with the avatar. So other stories would be great. Heck, yeah. I imagine a story about, like, Amon. <laughs> Mom was cool. Or just a spe- even just about another story of non-benders in a bending world, you know, because mm. that was good. I don't know. That's all I have to say. Even though Amon was a bender, but <sighs> that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you saw this. PlayStation Store will not let you buy or rent movies and TV shows after August thirty-first. Why? That well, because no one does it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I have bought. One movie off a of PlayStation Store. Wow, nice. Because I couldn't rent it. So I was like, okay, 12 bucks, sure, fine. So I have that movie. What now. is it? What'd you buy? Tech on Kincrete. I don't know what that is. I talked about it in an episode before, so it's good to see you don't listen to me. Uh, <laughs> they, yeah, they said Sony cites the tremendous growth of entertainment consumed through subscription based services and ad based entertainment streaming services on the company's PlayStation hardware. So there's... Mm. So nobody does it. They're basically like, no one yeah, does this. Yeah, it so seems like nobody it. does it. Or the more cynical take is that they're going to make... Well, they already have Crackle. They already have a streaming service. Unless they just make Crackle. I don't know. Or they're just saying nobody does it and they're done. Luckily, guys, if you have purchased anything, you will keep it. It will not go away. You will keep it. But you won't be able to buy anything new. What would they call it if they make it? Because we already have PlayStation Plus, so they can't call it PlayStation Plus. They'd have to call it. Well, they already own Crackle. Crackle, but they no one uses Crackle. That's the only way you can watch Joe Dirt too. My gosh, <laughs> that movie we tried what? to watch and had to turn off. The movie's so. Terrible. I have never done like I've done it maybe twice. Yeah, it's just like wow. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. Who knows? Crack. I still have Crackle on my PS4. Nice. I do not have it on my PS5, though. 
Subtle flex. Yeah. <laughs> we got two PS5 Two PS5 owners. I got it like my second try. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. It was easy for me. I don't get it. Was it easy? I mean, it came out in November and you just got it in March. But I, it was only my second try of actually getting it. Besides when I tried all those times to get it for you. Yes. <laughs> but first, so there we go. Me, big news, guys. Gore Verbinski is working on two new animated movies with Dose. Roger Deakins. It's over. It Give him just give him the awards right now. That's what I'm saying. Like, unless the best animated feature goes to whatever the next Marvel movie is, you know... <laughs> This uh, they're gonna take it home. They did Rango, you know. Rango is so underrated; it's crazy. I know. So that's why I'm hoping that this will bring you know more attention to Rango, or just that. I don't know. It's exciting to to have them go back to animated stuff. Um, two, two screenplays. They're both animated movies. They're not westerns. One is a musical. Ooh, very very interesting stuff. Still very early on for all of them, so like we couldn't, we might not be seeing these from like five years. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, right. But it's still very cool. I thought I would point it out, you know. That's sweet. More big news. <gasps> would you like no. to read the headline? <laughs> you didn't know about this. I did not know about this. Go ahead. My boy, Alejandro Gonzalez Inaritu, is now filming a new movie. The movie called, tentatively titled, Limbo. It'll explore the political and social modernity of Mexico. Sign me up. If it started filming, this guy only makes a movie like once every it's special. six years or so. Except for that one time where he made like Birdman and The Revenant like right, right next to each other. Yeah. So uh, his movies are all pretty dang good. Did very cool. Yeah, I'm very a huge cool. Revenant fan. You are. If you, you didn't are, you know, are. and you liked Birdman a lot too when it came out. I do like Birdman very much. I mean, no, so do I. Not as much as you, but I still there's still like two of his movies I haven't seen yet. But we'll get on it. Now's the time. Yeah, before we do our freaking episode on him. Here's some news nobody cares about. Loki TV show gets June 2021 Disney Plus release date. Yay! Do I watch it? I'm not. I know. You literally, you to told me, you were like, after Endgame, I'm not going to watch any Marvel things. And I'm like, you know what? I said I would not, I said you. I would not watch any more Marvel movies. Okay. Well, like half of the things we're doing now are the TV shows. I didn't so. know that. I did not know that. It's the um, one thing I could not predict. I'm, <laughs> I'm only watching the ones I'm interested in. I'm not interested in Loki. I like Loki. I don't know if I like him enough for his own whole show. I guess the really the only reason I did get into WandaVision is because I thought Wanda was such like a shallow character that I was kind of like, how? At least how they set her up so far. Yeah. But who knows? Loki. Loki might be good. Loki. Star Wars The Bad Batch debuts on Disney Plus on May the 4th. Oh, really? That's kind of soon. Yeah. I'll watch that. Like the first episode. Because The Bad mm. Batch never really... In the final season of Clone, Clone Wars, Wars. That, I wasn't like like the that little arc, the yeah. first few episodes. I was like, oh, I like them, but like, eh. Yeah, they didn't wow me or anything. Either. So maybe I'll watch like the first episode, see what's popping. But this will be in the future though, right? What do you mean? Like it'll be. Oh, like in the, in the. Okay. Yeah. yeah after yeah, all I the clones have all gone crazy and stuff. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Netflix will invest 
$500 million in Korean content this year. Yo, I like that. Yeah, I like it too. Um, I assume... Hold on. What's Blackpink? Hold on. What, what is it saying about Blackpink Blackpink plays Coachella. But today we live in a society where Parasite is Academy Award Best Picture winner. <laughs> Blackpink plays Coachella. Oh, okay. I was so just Blackpink wondering if there Coachella. was there was like a Blackpink thing happening on Netflix. I'm a, I'm a big Blackpink stan. Okay, good. If you guys want to know. They're just saying that, yeah, uh, Korean stuff is becoming more and more mainstream, which I mean. That's great because if really, I. Who like, paved the way for it? Psy. Gangnam Style? Gangnam Style walked so Parasite could run. <laughs> is that what happened? That's what I'm saying. Gangnam Style is Korean, right? It's K pop. I'm not being. Oh, I hope so. I, that's up to you. You're the one who said it. I'm pretty sure. I'm like 99% sure it's K-pop. So. Right. Exactly. It's good. You're so off key that I'm not even worried about a strike. <laughs> uh, Sweet. I'm hoping a lot of it is just, um, you know, fan cams of K-pop stars. That's They're cool. Just going to make Netflix branded fan cams that you can use. Very cool. I love Korean movies. They... Yeah, they're my favorite. They are your favorite. Well, if I had to choose like one of all like foreign cinema, like Korean is probably my favorite. I mean, if I can think of like a whole bunch, for me, it'd probably be either Korean or French. Does that? Would you count The Handmaiden as Korean, even though it's like half and half? Who directed it? Korean? I don't know. Probably whoever that. I want to say it was a Korean film though. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that or French, I think, probably. French movies are pretty killer. They're interesting. But Korea also has very good horror as well. Yeah. South Korean horror. It can be very, very good ones. Very classic ones. Um, Which reminds me, I just bought Hasu on the Criterion Collection along with Funny Games. Need to watch that. Need to check that out. Hasu. Neil Blomkamp confirms long-planned District 9 sequel is now being written. Ooh. So, I love District 9. Great right. movie. Everybody loves District 9. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's a good, good movie. Um, it's so good. Obviously, District 10. Really? Is that really what it's going to be called? District 10? should have been called District 92. <laughs> <laughs> District 92. Or District 11, because 9 plus 2 is 11, not 10. Whatever. Anyway. I don't know. Yeah, weird. Probably a very, very long way off um because he's just writing it so hmm i'm hyped though he's just been really busy he's just got a lot of stuff that he's been going on chappy you know really took a long time i guess but chappy. i'm excited let's do yeah, it let's district go. 10 i'm sure horizon one dawn i'm here for it <laughs> now there's this show i read this headline and i don't i don't quite remember but there's a show called be- beater cal sal i think <laughs> it's pronounced that? i don't know i'm not sure what the show is um it sounds old it sounds like yeah, you probably know, ha- probably really bad that too. i haven't seen it for like a million years but apparently the season six <laughs> will premiere likely in quotes uh it'll move to early 2022 so uh well right now we're in what we would call early 2021 mm-hmm so like a whole year and it's maybe maybe a year from now <laughs> and 
it's been like a year already so yeah uh, literally so i just want it to be great that it can take as long as they like it's They're, the last fine. season right they can take as long as they want yeah, it's the last season right it's the end so i guess they can take as long as they want the what last season of breaking bad was great so i'd rather it come out 10 years later and be great than come out early and be bad looking at you game of thrones i sure yeah i mean at a at a certain point i would lose interest 10 years i probably would not you'd care. forget but then they'd be like better call Saul, and you'd be like oh no way no way i get to know what happens i mean i guess as long as it's written in that everybody's older but if they have the character the actors 10 years older and they're just like it's me jimmy mcgill <laughs> he's not jimmy mcgill anymore slipping jimmy he's so Saul good man it's all good man i don't know let's i guess we'll talk about it on episode 40 <laughs> episode 40 <laughs> batman beyond voice director encourages fan campaign for show revival the best way for fans to get more Batman Beyond, according to the show's voice director, is to tell Warner Bros. that they want it. Basically, this isn't really a story. This guy just really wants to make more Batman Beyond. And he's like, if you're a fan, please, please let me make it. Just tell <laughs> them that you'll give them money for it. Uh, are you familiar with Batman Beyond? No. It's Batman, except it's this now. I forget his name, but he's like a young new Batman. And... Bat, the and real Bruce beyond. Wayne Batman is old you know he's like an old right. man and he's like can't fight anymore so he teaches this dude he's like you'll be the new Batman you'll go Batman beyond and it's like the future it's future Batman you know nice um, it's probably the shwayest show I've ever seen um, it's a fun little cartoon nice you know, I, I don't remember if it was actually good or if it was just really cool it's probably just really cool but that makes it at least a little good yeah this says Batman Beyond tells a compelling story at the bottom of this article, so I'm going to take its word for that. Okay, there we go. <laughs> also, Constantine reboot is in the works at HBO Max from J.J. Abrams' Bad Robot with Guy Bolton set as writer. So it's more DC Comics news. I thought I'd just throw it in. We cool. had Blue Beetle. We had Batman Beyond. Now we have Constantine reboot. Um, very, very cool. Nice. I, I don't know if you've seen... The old Constantine nope. with Keanu Reeves? Nope. Oh, it's Keanu Reeves, and he was he killing demons and stuff. He looks at a cat, and he puts his feet in water, and he's like, I'm going to hell. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sounds good. You've seen it. It makes sense. Anyway, that's it. That's it for the news. That's it. We did the news. The news blues right out of Oh, wait. We didn't. Oh, you, right. Right, right. The whole huge thing that happened. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the Golden Cloves were last Sunday. Yeah. Um, I'll be real, guys. I I have no idea what happened. So I didn't watch. Neither me. of us watched. No. Um, why? But I wrote down a few Highlights. of the things that I thought were interesting. Okay. Uh, Hit me. Nomadland, which we will be talking about very soon. We will be. Uh, one took home the Globe for Best Picture and Chloe Zhao won for Best Director. Hey. Very cool. Very cool. Is she? I hate that I have to say that. Is she the first woman <laughs> to, to win? win a globe? Ooh, I do not know. <laughs> maybe because things we aren't quite there where you can say definitely no. So maybe. yeah, I don't know. Um, Minari uh, took home the oh, W. I watched Minari. 
Oh my gosh. I totally forgot that I watched Minari. What did it take home? It took home the W for a uh, foreign language film, which, you know, right. we talked about why it was stupid right, that, right, it was, right. that it was nominated in that category that it should have been something. in the other ones, but it won, so that's cool, I guess. I guess I'll talk about Minari for a second. Yeah. Minari, Steven Yeun is so good. I love him. He's such he a great, great actor. Like, he really is phenomenal. Um, I, like, can't believe how good he is sometimes. Um, he plays like the dad, this dedicated, they move from California or to like Arkansas or somewhere, you know, country where he can get his own land and start his own farm, you know? So he's this really hardworking, you know, kind of father figure. And then you have the little boy, the little girl and the mom and the mom's not really satisfied with their new life. And then the grandma moves in and now they're this family just trying to make their way. Right. Uh, right. So it's just. It's what do you what do you there there needs to be a word for this kind of movie that there isn't but it's just the family trying to survive movie you know it's just like family trying to live there's a lot of like parasites kind of that you know yeah it's just like family trying to live um obviously it's a little more like grounded than parasite it's not as spectacular yeah um but it's still just the at least for me, what I get out of it a lot is seeing the differences of culture and how that meshes on like American soil, you know, like having these, this Korean family with Korean family values, you know, be part of the middle of the country, America, Mm. you know, and, uh, even interacting with, uh, like the church and everything. And the, what's what's not in this film, which is almost refreshing is like, this is not like a film about like racism. Mm. You know what I mean? There, there's hints, obviously, of not fitting in and everything. But this isn't, isn't a film where it's like, oh, people come and burn down their house and everything and whatever. Yeah, it's, it's. I believe it's based on the director's, um, actual experiences, like based on it, kind of like what oh, it was like cool. living up for him. And it was just extremely heartfelt, and it's just a realistic portrait. I feel of you know what that would be like of having being surrounded by this other culture while still trying to maintain your own and everything. Mm -hmm. And obviously it affecting how someone who's older, like the mom, you know, as opposed to the young kid who's like six, you know, this is going to be his life, you know, kind of having a difference between his parents' culture and the new culture that he's living in, whatever. And they love Mountain Dew. Nice. (laughs) That's good. And the last, the like climax of this movie, what happens at the end is like, super stressful like really really stressful like <laughs> uncut gems level of like oh, oh gosh <laughs> nice it's really really good um yeah i thought it was tremendous cool i'm probably gonna catch that this this week good. i think uh cool uh so yeah that happened uh daniel kaluuya as predicted um expected yeah took home the globe for judas and the black messiah his performance there that was cool um something i found interesting was amanda seyfried did not win for mank instead Mm -hmm. it was jodie foster for the mauritanian whatever that is not sure don't know what that is um i'm sure she was good mank didn't win anything Anything. actually i'm pretty sure which was surprising do they have like a vfx category do you know because i remember doing reading a write-up about the visual effects in mank and i was awfully impressed really yeah i don't know if the globes has a, i don't think globes has a vfx okay. i don't think because they usually just do like acting and like best right. and then music mm, gotcha gotcha yeah um 
Speaking of music, Soul hey. won Best Animated and also won uh, for Best Original Score, which I found interesting because I think, at least, I haven't heard like a couple of the other ones that were nominated, but Tenet, I feel like, kind of blows everything away. But I disagree. I guess not. You don't like the Tenet score? I, it's not that I don't like it, but... I would have picked Mank, which I think was done by the same people. The score. Really? Pretty sure. Wow. But yeah, it's good. Soul winning makes sense. Right, yeah. Over the Croods, can you freaking believe it? You know what? Believe it or not, I can. Unreal. I still have to see the Croods in New Age. Okay. You, you're not going to watch the Croods I'm not a age. fan of the Croods. I think they're kind of juvenile. Okay. Maybe even rude. <laughs> Chadwick Boseman won for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Aw. Um, I mean. So that's great. Aw, but deserved. Oh, yeah. Like, for sure. Shit. Yeah. And I'm sure he's the front runner for the Oscar, too. What did they do expect. with it? Um, I think I don't know who accepted the award, but someone accepted it for okay. him. You know, kind of like what they did with Heath right, Ledger. Yeah. Um, and then we'll see him at the Oscars. I'm sure. Probably, yeah. Uh, and then Andra Day, this I this was interesting to me. She won for Best Actress for United States v. Billie Holiday, which I've literally never heard of that. So I just found that to be interesting because I, I don't know what that is. What movie did we watch in our spotlight that talked about Billie Holiday? Was it Lost in Translation? Bro, I, you're asking the wrong guy. I don't it know. It just hit me. Anyway, yeah, I'm not sure what that is either. Um, but that was all the things that I found to be uh, interesting. Apparently, the show was like, okay. Because it was like all Zoom, and apparently like some of the Zoom uh-huh. things were funny. Yeah. Some of them not, so I don't know. I'm not a cat. I didn't watch. <laughs> did you see that clip? No. Oh, dude. Oh, you got to check that out after the show. It's like lawyers like in front of a judge on a Zoom call and he accidentally puts on like a cat filter and the cat's like looking around like <laughs> and he's like, "Judge, uh uh, I have my assistant here." Yeah, and the judge is like, "I think it's a filter." And he's like, "Yeah, it's a filter. Uh I'm not a cat." <laughs> <laughs> That's classic. It's very funny clip. Check it out. Um, yeah, other than that, though, that's the, the news. happened, and the Oscars should be soon. soon we is. will cover the Oscars. We're, we're big Oscar boys here. Yes, that will be happening. We will make a whole show about it. Honestly, we'll have a whole Oscars recap show, probably. We'll even probably talk about the the show itself, the actual uh, ceremony, yeah. as well as the actual movies that are in the ceremony. Freak, yeah. So we can move on to our spotlight. Spotlight. What's our spotlight this week? Films directed by women. <gasps> so avant-garde. Cool. Uh, did we want to go chronologically? Sure. We have Let's a lot of films here. We have 10. That means Nomadland is going to be last, though. Kind of 11. Where do you want to put Fat Girl? Because I do need to say things about it. Well, it was 2001, so we'll put it in where 2001 okay, is. Okay, cool. Then let's start so we'll with do 11. The Piano from 1993. The Piano. From Jane... Campion. Campion? Mm-hmm. Campion. Campion? That sounds right. Do Are we not doing the reading the blurb anymore? We're not doing that? Oh. <laughs> I just always thought it was the easiest. 
Oh, frick. What the freak? I'm not sure. Anyway, the piano is about this mute woman. Or I this thought I was about to say what the piano is about. Oh, I need to fill the time for something. Can't just let you. In the mid-19th century, a mute woman is sent to New Zealand along with her young daughter and prized piano for an arranged marriage to a wealthy landowner, but is soon lusted after by a local worker on the plantation. Ooh. Kinda? Basically. I mean, yeah. It gives the plot without giving anything away. Yeah. You know? So she's a dumb woman, as they call her, because she don't speak. But she's obviously very smart. Yes. You you get that impression from her. Even right off the bat. How did you feel? Can I just say this off the bat? How did you feel about the narration from the mute woman? Is that something you liked that you were like, yes? Well, narration is always interesting. It's not very, it doesn't happen a lot. It happens at the beginning and at the end. Yes. And I liked that it was a kid voice because mm. it was, it's like the thing with the five bloods. Yeah. Because the only voice that she knows is her kid voice. She, the last time she spoke when, was when she was six years old, I believe. Yeah. So she can't have like a woman voice. Mm-hmm. She yeah. has the kid voice. So I thought that was cool that they did that. That aspect of it was cool. Um, do you think... So you liked it being at the beginning and the end? Do you think they should have done it a little bit more? I'm pretty sure that's the only time. Beginning and there. Yeah, I don't really think I remember it. Do you think it should have been utilized a little bit more? Or would you have... No, I thought it was fine. I wish... I felt weird to have absolutely nothing in the middle, like, ever. But... Mm. Because it's inclusion, even though the whole idea of it being the kid voice is very, like, clever and everything, its inclusion just felt off to me because I was like, at the end of the the day, how much did she really give us other than we know the truth about her voice? You know what I mean? It's like that. I feel like that's really the only information that it imparted. You know, she's like, oh, this isn't my real voice. This is the voice of my mind. You know, something like that. If you took it away, the only thing that you wouldn't have known is that she used to talk. That's the only thing that you would miss out on, you know? Yeah. If I, if I'm remembering, uh, correctly, you know? Mm. Um, I think I read somewhere that the ending, you know, when she, I'm just going to skip to the ending just for a moment. Yeah. Uh, they're on the boat or whatever and they're tipping the piano off the boat. Okay. And, she's snagged on it or whatever she gets dragged down to the ocean i was like oh she's gonna die and the movie's gonna end yes and i was like that's kind of cool i thought it was very cool too but then (laughs) they pull a switcheroo yeah and she gets saved and then her and what's his face live happily ever after the plantation worker from the thing um and harvey keitel Mm. and i'm pretty sure i'm not 100 percent, but i'm pretty sure i read somewhere that that is not what the director Jane Campion wanted. I think she wanted the die ending. I much prefer that would, ending. But I don't think they would let her. I I'm like pretty that sure I read that somewhere. Not 100%. Yeah, but I thought it was cool. I was like, oh, she's just going to die. I was like, awesome. Cool. <laughs> and it wasn't an accident. She purposely put yeah. her foot in the rope hold, you know, mm. um, and went off the edge. But then she came back and then also just started talking again. Well, not just started talking again. She's working on talking again. But it did seem a little bit like, okay, she finds love and then yeah, it felt a little key. reductive. But it's 1993. Yeah, so, <laughs> so. I apparently, I'm pretty sure I read that the, they wouldn't let her do the If that's true, I'm glad and I totally agree with her because I, that, I was like, 
I was kind of sitting just watching the movie, and when that happened, I like sat up. I was like, "You're like, oh, really? You're gonna really? do this? Okay, Ooh. you got my attention now." <laughs> it was a good movie, though. Not to make it sound like it was a bad movie. Yeah, no, it is good. Um, it was very good. I thought it's a two-hour movie. This might sound weird, and maybe it was just a headspace I was in, but I thought it was like perfectly paced, in a way, like introducing. The other guy whose name we forget, the plantation worker. Harvey Keitel. Yeah. Let's just say that. Yeah. <laughs> Harvey Keitel. Like, was put in the perfect moment in their relationship growing, happened perfectly. George. And the build up to... George Baines. Alistair. Losing it and everything. I just thought it was well done. Obviously, being a piano player, he chops off her finger kind of a big deal yeah that was crazy that's kind of a huge <laughs> at first i thought it was like all of them yeah i thought too i thought it was like her whole and i was like that's fucked up yeah <laughs> like you might as well kill her <laughs> right right that's why you know right 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 um but it was only one and yeah she gets the metal finger <laughs> at the end after she lives her suicide right. attempt it's a little weird i don't know <laughs> um the little girl in this film i thought was very good did you know I did not. She was nominated for an oh. Academy Award. Well, there you have it. For this film. And did you know that it's uh, it's Anna Paquin? Is it Paquin or Paquin? Paquin? But I thought that was funny. Oh, yeah. No, she was great. <laughs> Little girl. And you'd just be like, oh, because, you know, we've only seen her when she's an adult. But yeah. I, I, I thought she was really, really good. Yeah. You know, fantastic job. The Academy thought so, too. Especially, I thought she was, maybe it's just weird. But obviously her just being like a normal girl was great and everything. But then also when she went to Harvey Keitel to be like, they, she chopped, he's going to chop her up in that whole scene where she's like absolutely panicking and everything. Mm. I was like, damn, did they tell this girl her mom's going to die? <laughs> like, Well, I have even better news now, apparently. She won. She won. Oh, how's that feel? She won. To her lose. and Holly Hunter. And Good. Jan Campion won. Yeah, I mean, for this writing. Yeah, this was a pretty big movie for the awards, was, right? Yeah, lots yeah. of, best of actress, two best actresses, best writing, best picture, best director, best cinematography, best costume design, best film editing. One three. Yeah, the one thing I'd have to say, and this is like a sign of the times for like '90s movies, is that when they want you to see a specific color, that color will be there. <laughs> there are certain like scenes where it's like. Oh, it's blue out? Okay, it's blue out. <laughs> like, you know, like, the mud is blue, her face is blue, yeah. the blood is blue. <laughs> the red blood is blue. But really, it, it's kind of a thing of the times, but it's like, you get really orange scenes, really blue scenes, any of the ones that are, like, normal. Um, but that bugs me. That's, like, one of my biggest pet peeves of movies. I feel like it's a 90s, early 2000s thing. Yeah. It gets to me. Interesting. But yeah, um, Jane Campion, nominated for Best Director. The second time that a woman was ever nominated. Oh, in Did not win. Did not. But, you know, try again later. Try again later. Try, try. If you fail, try, try again. Hmm. And then we got, in 1995, two years later, we got a movie that I think we've both been wanting to see for a very long time. Yes. Um, from Amy Heckerling, we have the film Clueless. Uh-uh, no way. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, I'm glad to finally know the context for that one gif I see everywhere of her going, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Don't you see that one like everywhere? I know the context. She wants to have sex with her stepbrother. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was like, whoa. Let's get there. Let's get there. 
So Clueless is about uh, Cher, this shallow, shallow, rich, and socially successful Cher is at the top of her Beverly Hills High School's pecking scale. Mm. Seeing herself as a matchmaker, Cher first coaxes two teachers into dating each other. Weird for that to be part what? of the blurb. <laughs> Literally, that's like maybe the first ten minutes of the movie. Yeah, that is, and then the rest of the movie happens. <laughs> So yeah, okay. th- that's that. She's the pop. She's the most popular girl in school. Although you might not really be able to tell from how the movie like presents her. Yeah, because a lot of people don't like Cher. <laughs> Maybe that's the point. Maybe she just thinks she's popular. Yeah, who knows? But uh, you know, she's blonde. She's pretty. She's fashionista. You know, she's got a closet that is like a robot that'll dress her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's kinda she's rich. She's very very rich. Her daddy's got a lot of money, and her mom is dead. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. So she's in high school, and there's this new girl that comes in, Ty, who's really pretty, I thought. (laughs) I liked her a lot. Um, And she is basically trying to, like, give her a makeover, and it kind of backfires on her a little bit and makes her kind of reexamine her life, you know. And uh, that reexamination kind of leads to... Incest. Weird, almost incest. So she's got this stepbrother from an old marriage of her father's so her father and that woman are not married anymore but her son still kind of hangs out because he wants to be a lawyer so he hangs out with the dad and they're very close who is paul rudd who is paul rudd which is very cool (laughs) do they state his age in the movie in the movie i don't know he's in college he's at he's at the youngest 18 but realistically like come on 19 yeah maybe 20 he could be like 23 because he's in law school he could be exactly you know so let's say 19 to be okay fair the end of the movie comes a lot of funny stuff happens just kind of hijinks think almost like mean girls-esque kind of stuff mm -hmm. happening on um and amy heckerling of course she also has done fast times at ridgemont high which is the same kind of setting you know idea so she's getting the high school hijinks and it leads to this culmination of her realizing she's in love with her ex stepbrother who is 19 and she is 16. Was this done on purpose? What do you mean? I didn't, I thought it was done like big where it's like, Oh yeah, she had sex with a kid. Just forget about it. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) It's like whatever. But part of me thinks that the age difference may have been on purpose and the reason i think this is because of the kiss at the right at the end you know because the kiss they share is so intimate it is a french kiss and you see it (laughs) and it's such an intimate kiss that it makes me wonder if it was purposeful to make it that way to make you kind of examine what the relationship actually is you know what i mean Clueless is a stupid comedy movie, so that might be looking way too far yeah. into it. But for me to already be off put, like, this seems weird to be with your ex-stepbrother. But then for it to be not a movie like Peck, but like an intimate French couple of seconds in each other's mouths kiss, that it kind of made me tilt my head a little bit. Hmm. That's not a kiss that you see at the end of these movies, is it? No, not really. You know, it's you don't see well, the Well, Todd Nights... That is true. <laughs> 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 I 
Okay. No, you got me. You're right. Talladega Nights. <laughs> That's probably even worse. Yeah. They go hard. They do. They do. Did you like Clueless? I thought it was funny. I thought it was pretty funny, too. <laughs> um, I liked, yeah, most of the characters. I don't know. I do like the idea of her being kind of this... Everything around her is fake. You know, it's Beverly Hills. Everybody's got, like, the nose jobs and everything, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of seeing the slow deconstruction of that fake identity that she's kind of clinging on to. The most real and human part of the whole movie, I to me was when she was on the couch with Paul Rudd in like her pajamas after a party and she was like watching cartoons. You know what I mean? Mm. I was like, this is the 16-year-old girl, you know? And I found it, at least in that one moment, a very powerful moment where I was like, mm. look, she's a human. <laughs> like, yeah. you know? And it goes right back into the kind of the more slapstick, funny stuff, kind of absurd humor. Um, but I, I don't know. I thought that was one that they pulled off even that, that she pulled off that one specific moment. Mm. Uh, in the least, it was very well done, you know? Yeah, I would have to agree. What's next? Next would be four years later in 1999, a film that I've talked about on the show already, Beau Travail from Claire Denis. And if you couldn't figure out already, it's a French one. It is La France. It is a French movie. This film focuses on an ex-foreign legion officer mm. as he recalls his once glorious life leading troops in Djibouti. 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 So I've already talked about this film. I will talk about it again, but first, why don't you take it away? This is not a movie. Okay. <laughs> this is like... I don't know. I really liked it. Okay. I will say it. Good. I really liked it. Because that's what I was waiting for. I was I, like, did you like it? I really liked it. But, like, it's not a movie. It's just kind of like a... I don't... It's not like a vibe, and it's also not like an experience. Well, what it is, it's a diary. You're reading the dude's, you know, memoirs. That's true. You know? So, it's literally just recounting... It's biography at that point, you know? Yeah. Um, I want to share a few things with you. So, okay. So, basically, it's based off Billy Budd. Um, which is like a novella that I don't think ever got finished. Um, okay. But basically it's this guy and this new young recruit comes in. He's super hot and he's super good at what he does. And he's like the hero immediately. And the sergeant or whatever is like jealous. It's it's a story of jealousy or whatever. And even his superiors look at the recruit and they're like, oh yeah, that guy's going places. Mm. And so it's like, how far is he willing to go to kind of knock this kid down a peg, you know, and show kind of his superiority. And uh, how, what is your take on the homoeroticism in this film? Because it's very blatant because there's a lot of very well-built dudes, you know, hanging out. It's just guys being dudes. So you don't, you don't think that, do you think the main character is a homosexual? The old dude, you know? I don't know. I never really thought about it like that, to be honest. Okay. Interesting. I didn't take it in as like. I didn't take anything in the movie to really be, like, overtly sexual. Mm-hmm. I was just kind of, like, along for the ride. Like, they're just, you know, they're just kind of bros. So, with that in mind, how do you interpret the ending? You just take it without... Because, okay, well, the what I said great. before... Listen, okay, listen. 
Guys, before I said, I remember saying very specifically that this movie had my favorite blank in any movie. This is my favorite ending to any movie ever. When I saw it, I was watching it, my jaw dropped. I was like, <laughs> fuck, that's, this is amazing. <laughs> I was like in love. I love this ending. It's, it's really good. So we have this very stoic, um, you know, soldier. Let's just go through the whole thing right now, okay? Okay. Um, guy comes in, he's hot. He saves some people's lives and other thing. Um, there's this very big, honestly, pretty one-sided, like, competition going on, you know, where it mostly seems like it's him kind of, uh, uh, what's the word? Projecting. Projecting. Thank you. Projecting onto this guy, like, his kind of feelings of maybe ineptitude. Mm. Um, or, you know, maybe je- jealousy, whatever. And so what ends up happening is he punishes him for you know, any little mistake. He's acts pretty unfairly, you know. Um, going so far as to sabotage his compass and leave him out in the middle of nowhere. Yes. In the middle of a salt flat. In the middle of a salt flat. It, it, hot, dry, nothing around for miles. And um, I have a question for you. What do you think happened to him? Well, he lives... Kind of. That's the question, though. Does he? Because we see a shot of him on, like, a bus or something being cared for by, like, a woman native to the area, it looks like. Yeah. Um, And then the last scene that we see, he's finishing up his memoirs of kind of what he's been writing, what he's been telling us. Picks up a gun, and he lays down on his bed, and it keeps zooming in on his bicep, and you see one of his veins kind of pulsing. And then it cuts, or does it fade? I don't remember. Um, I don't remember either, but, <laughs> but I know it cuts you're to about. him alone in the middle of a dance floor with like a mirror behind him. And he's kind of nodding his head to some music and he starts break dancing. Crazy. Just like crazy, like super frenetic, energetic, just crazy all over the place, like down on the floor, hands waving, incredible dancing. Yeah. <laughs> and then credits roll and credits roll in between too. It's like a, it's mm. like a whole sequence. Also, the artist of that song, Rhythm of the Night. Is called Corona. <laughs> no. Yeah. Because <laughs> I added it to my playlist. That's great. I heard that song come on. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> the rhythm of the night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So before I get back to what I asked you before about what happened to him, what was the ending? What did we see? What was him dancing? Because to me, it seemed I had a pretty clear interpretation. And I didn't realize there were multiple until I looked up that there were multiple. What did you get from it? Hmm. I've been stumped. Well, so he picks up the gun, right? So yes. that's a pretty clear, okay, this is kind of where this is going, right? Yeah. He's alone with a gun. What else do you do with it? Yeah. You know, and then it zooms in on his pulse, you know, and then the music starts. Like, what I took from it was that he was going to kill himself, but he fell asleep. You know what I mean? And his dream, since the pulse kind of matched the beat of the music, I felt that, like, that was the Whoa. dream. And his dream realized in my interpretation of the film is that he can leave behind this soldier's life that he said he didn't know how to live a civilian life anymore, that he can leave it behind. And even to a further extent, if you want to view it this way, possibly embrace homosexuality or embrace just who he is in general. You don't even need to go that specific, Mm -hmm. you know, just being able to embrace life at that end and not have to take it. But other people saw that he did kill himself and, 
death was his freedom. And that was like him passing on because the whole dance floor, we see the club in the movie. It's packed. There's a ton of guys in it at the end of the film when he's alone and right. it's in like a void almost. It's mm. only him and the mirrors just go to blackness on the other end, you know? So a lot of people saw it as him dying and it yeah. was kind of like his last hurrah and passing into the afterlife and maybe being happy about it. You know, I saw it as a dream just because of the pulse. I was like, that seems really specific. Hmm. I never thought about the dream thing. Yeah. That the pulse meant. So what did you think of it in general then? Well, so <laughs> you're just like, Oh, okay. <laughs> so I'm kind of like in the middle. Okay. I just thought that he was like chilling there, like ready to shoot himself. Mm-hmm. And then he like just like thought about it. He was like, "Sure, I want to be dancing." Daydream, dream. So, if you think he's just thinking about it, what happens when he's done thinking about it? He does kill himself. I don't know. Maybe or maybe he's like, you know what? <sighs> so basically, my gun away? basically, we have the same idea then. Yeah, yeah kind of. Yeah. We basically, yeah, we're on the kind of the same page. I like to think, at least, I think it's a better thing to say that he puts the gun down and he yeah, decides to live his life, just because it's a lot happier. But a lot of people see it as death being his freedom in that way. That's he's nice, too. In that, I guess. Well, not nice, but, <laughs> yeah. I, you know. The thing that I get from this film that um, I don't know if you took the same thing from it is there's a lot of kind of weird scenes. Not super weird. But the main scene that comes to mind is when they have a disagreement. And what they do is they stand like 15 feet apart and they just circle each other. For like a good couple of minutes. Oh, and yeah. staring each other down. That to me and with him getting rescued from the sand salt flats, those did not happen. I think what we're seeing is not the events of what happened, but how he remembers all of these events happening. So maybe they were fighting in the, the, the middle of the sand or whatever. But to him, it was this duel. This It was him and me. And it was this duel. We were eyeing each other down. But actually, they might have just been like punching each other, you know? And him being rescued from the salt flats, maybe that's him trying to deal with the guilt of it's like, I never saw this guy again. Maybe he got picked up by one of the nice ladies mm. from the town, you know? Yeah. I take everything we see that seems a little bit off or kind of weird. It's just his recollection. And I think it really kind of. Yeah, it makes it a film, lot more interesting. Because you know? um, I really thought that scene where they were just staring each other down and they never did anything. Yeah, they're just looking at each other. It was weird. I was like, what it was is this weird. about? So when I came to that conclusion, I was like. And applied it to the rest of the film, it was like a very rewarding. Be like, oh, that actually makes a lot of sense, you know? Yeah. So, because why? If he lived and then didn't come to the back to the army, he'd be like a deserter, you know? Yeah. So it's like that being just like a way for his guilt to escape, you know? Mm-hmm. It just makes a lot of sense to me. It was a very fun movie to think about. Yeah. Dang, you're taking it whole new level for me right now i loved this movie <laughs> i thought it was so good it is very good i enjoyed it um claire nini is great she did what high life with robert pattinson i don't know it's the newer one i don't know if that was good i think it was fine hmm. but i love i love this movie yeah i, I agree it was very good very very good beau travail by claire denny yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, i'm gonna watch it again and it's a short movie it's like hour and a half yep yeah. Can we just appreciate the 90-minute movie? <laughs> I'll, I'll, most of these movies were like 90 minutes. I think like two or three of them were two hours. Gosh. I mean, the 90-minute movie is just untouched. It's so good. Like two hours is good too, but 90 minutes is just like such a sweet, like, thank you. Give it to me and I'm done. Mm-hmm. You know? Perfection. It is great. Yeah, the 90-minute movie is 
10 out of 10. Okay, so you said we're 99, so 2001 would be next. Yes, you can say your fat girl thing. Let's talk about fat girl. Can you give me some info on it? Just because I do not remember the director's name. It is a woman. Fat girl. Because we watched a few that, you know, don't make the cut in the final show, you know. It is directed by... It's going to be French as hell, I'm sure. Catherine Brella. Brella. Yeah, yeah that's probably... Brella. Probably Brea, maybe? Brea. I don't know. Uh, Fat Girl, or the much better French title, A Ma Soeur, which is To My Sister. What? <laughs> yeah. Fat Girl's such a bad title, isn't it? Yes. Like, To My Sister is much, much, much that's, better. That's what A Ma Soeur. What, what's the plot? Two sisters confront their sexual attitudes and experiences while on a family holiday. That is, I think, a perfect blurb for this it is good that is really really good whoever wrote that should get a raise so uh this is 15 year old older sister and like 13 year old younger sister i think basically the 15 year old sister uh gets a lot of attention from boys she's skinny she's pretty whatever younger sister's fat everyone calls her fat she's always eating like a little piggy (laughs) like a little cochon perhaps a petite cochon and uh but they're always together. It's their holiday. You know, they're sisters. They have, you know, that edge between sisters, but they still love each other. They can speak candidly with one another most of the time. Mm. And there's this dude in college, you know, who's hitting on the 15-year-old. And they have many, many, many scenes of them just talking and, you know, touching You're each other. Me, literally, the first half of the movie is the one room, scene the where they're just sitting in the bed talking. Exactly, yeah. Um. which is boring it is it goes on for a very very long time it is too long i will not say that this movie is like i can't even tell you if i like this movie i don't know however it's a college age dude Mm. with 15 year old even he at a certain point is like you have to stop if i get caught you know i'm gonna go to prison (laughs) like you know yeah it kind of confronts that after that like 40 minutes we watch of them being intimate with each other uh, but never going all the way at that point. Um, and there's a lot in this movie, and I think it was on purpose, where either they tell someone to go to sleep or things seem kind of unrealistic. They seem almost dreamlike. Like when the older, when the sisters first meet the dude, within like three sentences, they're like making out. Yes. You know, that's not really something that... I mean, I'm sure it happened somewhere, but it was, it was obviously treated very normally. It felt very dreamlike to me, Mm. you know? And then there was a part where they were like at the beach swimming, which also felt very odd and kind of dreamlike to me. And it just kind of ends or whatever. And I felt that was on purpose to make the ending be like a misdirection (laughs) to me. And she's always telling her to go to sleep like all the time. It's kind of weird, but there's a lot of it. Okay. Whatever. So you have the younger sister. There's a scene, which I thought was probably one of my favorite scenes where she's like in the pool and she's like kissing like a wooden post oh. and she's like, Oh, I love you, but I cannot marry you. And then she swims over to a, like the metal climb row and she kisses that. And she's like, what if he finds out? And she's having like this weird, like tryst with these like inanimate objects of just like said, exploring this kind of, you know, desire to be desired, you know? Mm. Um, basically everything, everybody finds out it's not good. They're like, this cannot happen. We have to leave. And uh, they leave. She's very upset. Everyone's crying. And uh, it's part of the film where the younger sister actually 
a lot of the time I felt showed almost a little bit more emotional maturity than the older sister mm. of being very realistic about like, you really thought that guy was going to like marry you and, mm. you know, stay with you forever. Like, of course not. You stupid bitch. Salope, yeah. you know? <laughs> and, uh, so they leave, they drive away, they drive away. The mom's like, uh, I'm really tired. I'm going to stop at a rest stop. So they all stop at a rest stop and the two sisters talk and she's like, do you think she's really going to like get a test done and like call the police or whatever? She's like, oh, I don't know. It's like, why don't we just get some sleep and like not think about it? It's like, okay. So they go to sleep, but the girl's in the back, she's eating. And then, uh, out of basically nowhere, they were being followed by the truck. If you noticed, um, a guy comes, he's got an ax, random dude, <laughs> literally, literally random dude, shatters the front windshield. Uh, kills the older sister and the mom and then takes the younger sister in the woods and rapes her but leaves her alive and then this happens about like the span of six minutes by the way they uh leaves her alive she gets up out of the woods and like the morning the dead body of her parents is being like zipped up in body bags of her mom and her sister and uh the guy's like oh she says that he didn't rape her and then she goes uh I'm not sure what the exact quote was, but it's basically, it's like, uh, you can believe me or you cannot, but like, it didn't happen. Right. Mm. And she kind of like looks sort of towards the camera, like past the camera and it freeze frames and plays like a beat. Yeah. (laughs) The music was a little weird. So, (laughs) so the ending is, oh, and also just to be completely clear, she doesn't really fight the attack very much she kind of gets after out. after a little bit after a little bit yeah but she gets out of the car she doesn't really run away she just kind of like backs up and she's very probably in shock right mm. anyway what does that mean to you let me toss it over to you first well i read a thing that the dude said or this person that did the review uh because earlier in the film she's talking about like her and her sister are talking about like losing their virginity and she was like, the girl has like the super romanticized version of it. And then like the little sister is like, I want it to be like a nobody. Like, I don't mm-hmm. want to care. Just get it over with yeah. and not have to worry about it. Yeah. So the review that I read, the interpreted like halfway through, she just kind of stops like fighting and just like lets it happen. And then like to like not be a victim. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, oh yeah, it didn't happen to like, you know what I mean? Like to mm. not be a, a victim of this. And then he's like, whatever. That is an interesting way of looking at it. That's not, I don't know if that's quite what I thought about it, but the idea of the idea of denying virginity's importance is kind of interesting to me with that, uh, the, what do you call it? Depiction of events. Yeah. I thought that this was actually two movies. This is like, an 80 minute movie and then a six minute short film. The 80 minute movie is the rape of the older sister. And the six minute movie is the rape of the younger sister. And the same thing happened to them. Well, obviously more happened to the little sister, but the same event happened to each one. And it's just kind of like both of them. It's a juxtaposition of both of these events that are based around the same idea. You know what I mean? Yeah. I thought of it like that. A lot of the film, uh, they don't seem to – okay, so they 
say men are stupid, right? But it's not a women are great. It's a women are stupid too. It's a everybody's kind of stupid, uh, especially around sexuality. The main thing I kind of got from this film was that us as a society, <laughs> you know, as a as a world at large, as individual people, there is a strange fixation on the sexuality of children that is detrimental to everybody. You know what I mean? Because children and that growing from children who don't have sexuality to we are sexual beings for the majority of our lives, you know, it was just the idea of her accepting the rape and everything is was supposed to be like a shock factor to almost show how deep these roots of sexuality and the importance of virginity and the importance of losing your virginity go in a society. Because they were watching it in TV, you know. Obviously, mm. the dude's going to say anything to get her to have sex with him. She's going to believe anything to have sex with him, you know. Uh, I thought that that's kind of mainly what it was going for. It was just an examination of why is sexuality so, you know, like revered almost. Like, why is it done in this way? Because mm. you think of it in something and it's something hard to explore without becoming like exploitative yourself. And I really think this film doesn't accomplish that it is exploitative of children's sexuality and profits off of it. Same as you might see in a movie like cuties to make, you know, kind of a topical um, direct comparison. But I doesn't think, I don't think that at least in the case of this film, it doesn't take away from its message at large. Because if you think about virginity is a big deal in this film, think about that. Being a virgin is like the biggest deal in the world until you're not a virgin. <laughs> then you're like, who fucking cares? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's something that when you, especially when you're younger, I mean, I know growing up, I don't know how it is for men to women, but I feel like at least in my experience as a man, losing your virginity is like, you do it as soon as you can. You don't want to be a virgin. Like, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. that was a big thing in like middle school. I remember people saying stuff like that, yeah. you know? And I think as a attack on that idea, it was a pretty effective film. It's a film that's better when it's over, I guess. <laughs> and you could think about the film and not have to watch it because mm -hmm. it almost feels like it doesn't reveal its true intentions. Kind of like funny games until the end where it's like, Oh no, I'm serious about this. Mm. You know what I mean? And I wanted to make a word for that, like a word for a movie that's better when it's over. And I don't know what to call it. Like a, like a retro good. <laughs> retro good. Or a, ret a retro, and I don't know. Re it's a French movie. So like bon, retro bon, retro bon. Boom. Ching. There you go. A retro bon. <laughs> It's a movie that's better when it's over. There we go. We've made this a thing. I'm sure there's more I could go into, but I don't want to at this time. I think I've said enough. Do, has this changed your kind of opinion of it? No. Even a not even a little bit? I mean, like, I, I don't know. You have said things, and I have listened to them, and <laughs> I have taken them in and thought about them, but that does not make me like the movie yeah. more. I guess what I'm trying to say is I like the message of the movie. Yeah, I think the message is fine. <laughs> yeah. I just think the movie is, like, not entertaining. To fix it, I'd probably just cut out that first half, you know? So just make it a short film? Basically, yeah, 45-minute film instead of an hour 26 or whatever. That's cool with me. Probably be better. Uh, Take yeah. half the movie away, <laughs> and then it's okay. <laughs> no, I still thought... I mean, at least 
it didn't get pianoed. <laughs> Imagine if like the axe murderer came and then they're like, wait, they're fine. <laughs> hey, everything's okay. But she I mean, had a helmet on. It is an idea, right? It's like that. I guess another interpretation would be that, like I said, her mind was so rooted in that this was so important that she's like, I got chosen over my mother and my sister, my mother who has a husband and my sister who's the most beautiful, whatever. Like that's like a lot darker take on it. Mm. So it's like, I don't know, but that, that's all I got. I don't know. Also, I mean, like I said, the exploitation, it is an underaged actor being put in this scene. It, I did not like that. No. You know, I was like actually against it. I should think it should have been implied and not actually shown it, but that, you know, I did not like that very much. Hopefully nobody does. <laughs> yes, hopefully nobody <laughs> likes that in a movie. But. Okay. Let's talk about a movie that I like. Okay. Lost in Translation from 2003, directed by Sofia Coppola. Coppola. Who's made some movies. Some. You t- we've talked about at least one of her movies before. Uh, yeah, I did the Bling Ring. Bling Ring. Yeah, that's right. You said you liked it, but people thought it was annoying. I liked Bling Ring. It was all right. Yeah. Um, a faded movie star and a neglected young woman form an unlikely bond after crossing paths in Tokyo. Yeah. Pretty good. Pretty good. And re- actually, that is the whole movie. It is. It is literally the whole movie. The movie is rather empty. Obviously, purposefully. Mm. But this is, you know, quote unquote, a boring movie. It's yeah, a lot so of characters being bored for a very long time. And, you know, that's the point. <laughs> right? Yeah. But I was honestly, for the majority of it, intrigued enough by what was going on. I was never too bored. There were a few moments where I thought it dragged maybe a little bit. Mm. But overall, I thought, especially, I guess, earlier on when they were bored, because I'm like, I don't know these people yet. <laughs> like, if yeah. I get to know them and then they're bored, then I can relate. But when it's just, like, a guy drinking whiskey. Turn to the left. You want me to turn like this or like this? <laughs> he wants you to turn to the left. Okay, okay. Whiskey, whiskey, something. It's, wait, what is it? It's when it's time to relax, or for relaxing times, make it suntory. Make it suntory time. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's like it. That. And then he goes, Kato, 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 Kato. Good stuff. I guess, I really think the conceit of this film is if you don't think it's funny, you'll hate it. If you don't think the funny parts are funny, you probably won't like the rest of it. It's probably right, because I thought it was funny. Yeah, right. Like, because I saw, when I was looking at reviews for stuff, I saw a lot of people complaining about that, and I saw a lot of people complaining about the masseuse lady or whatever, the stockings lady. They were like, I hated these parts of the movie. So it's like, if you can't laugh at those parts, that's like the litmus test. The litmus <laughs> test. If you'll like it or not. Watch those scenes. If you think they're kind of funny, watch the whole movie, you know? We have Bill Murray and ScarJo. Scarlett Johansson. Okay. I was watching, I was reading more reviews and it was just funny seeing ones that were like, she'll never be a famous actress. She's so bad in this movie. Are you serious? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) How about that? Well, you know, things happen. Um, so he's married. He's been married for like 25 years. Bill Murray's character. Got a kid. He's like a famous actor, dude. He's doing whiskey ads in Japan, which actors do. (laughs) 
do that. Yeah, but he doesn't want to. He wants to be on the stage. Yeah, he wants to actually do movies or plays or anything, right? And then we have a newly married Scarlett Johansson, whose husband is a photographer, and she doesn't really know what she wants to do yet. She's kind of figured out. So he's working, and then he's alone in Tokyo, so they're both alone. You know, they're both lost. And uh, they eventually kind of cross paths, and they have a relationship. They're both English speakers. Why not? You know, spend some time together. And they form a relationship that is, I don't know. How do you feel about it? It's like um, almost like a, well, no. (laughs) (laughs) I know what you were going to (laughs) say. Is it? Hmm. Maybe if they didn't have like a makeout sesh at the end. Well, let's go straight to the ending then. So they have a lot of time together. They obviously care for each other a lot. Um, And they're sad to see each other go, right? Mm. So when Sofia Coppola was writing the script for this, at that final confrontation, she wrote that in, and she had like 50 different lines for Bill Murray to say. She's like, try this. She's like, oh, I don't like it. Try this. Try this. Try this. They tried a bunch of things. And she hated them all. She's like, I can't write this. I don't know what he should say. And so I don't know if it was Bill Murray's idea or whose idea it was, but they just go, Bill Murray, just say something. You know, when it's muffled and you don't know what he says, mm-hmm. he's like, just say something. So he doesn't tell anybody what he's going to say. You, nobody knows what he's going to say because it's muffled in her. So only him and Scarlett Johansson know what he says. Bro, there's got to be some memes of that somewhere. And he says it. And it was a complete improvisation. And the kiss was also an improvisation that was not in the script. Oh, really? Exactly. It's like, hmm. It's. I thought that was a very interesting twist when I learned that the kiss was not originally in the script. Hmm. Exactly. Hmm. Like, that makes it very interesting. It makes it very, very interesting. Because to, to put it down completely is that uh, there's obviously kind of teasing, kind of an emotional romantic kind of thing, but it comes off mostly as like father figure-ish. I yeah. felt, you know? Mm, me too. Because it's just like, oh, you don't know what you're going to do. Like, oh, you'll figure it out. You know, it's like, oh, I've been down the road. I, you know, kind of just teaching moments. It's like, yeah, that's it's tough, but you'll get over it, you know? a lot of teaching moments there's a part in the karaoke bar where he's singing lyrics where it's like oh you know this will all this will ever be stuff like that kind of like putting up boundaries like that um even though it's obvious that like there could be something and i guess at the end there is obviously a big age difference between the two characters they're both adults (laughs) thank you yeah (laughs) like so it's not too weird uh but it it is a very interesting relationship i'd want to watch it again to kind of really nail that down you know maybe the kiss isn't as out of place as we might think well here's the thing i know what bill murray said oh no you don't i know what he said i never fucking loved you (laughs) (laughs) and they kissed (laughs) no i googled it i want to know what did he say what did he whisper he said i have to be going now but i won't let that between us I won't let that come between us. So he's like, I have to go, but that won't come between us. And that's very sweet. It is very sweet. Right. And, uh, you're not supposed to know that he says that. So like guys, well, now I know, now you know, and then the kiss, you know, they were just like, Oh, I guess it's kiss time. (laughs) (laughs) They give smoochies. They give smoochies. Um, I, I do like this movie, but I don't know if I like its characters really in a good way. You know what I mean? Like, I think the characters are well written. Like, I 
like the idea of the characters, mm. but if they were people, I don't know if I would like them. I heard that understand. Scar Joe's character in this might be Sofia Coppola. Oh, interesting. And his her photographer husband might be Spike Jones, who she Jones? Yeah, I always um, thought it was like Jones. Maybe. But apparently it is like John. I'm not sure. I've only I've only seen maybe stuff. Johnsy. Johnsy. I feel like I heard someone say it's Johnsy. Spiky Johnsy. Yeah. Because they were in a relationship and people are saying that, you know, this was kind of like her marriage story, which is weird because Scar Joe's in both of those. <laughs> and she's in her. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and her, it's his movie. That's probably Sofia Coppola in that movie too. <laughs> As a robot. No, Sofia Coppola is his ex wife, I bet, in that movie. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Scarlett Johansson is the divorce cinematic universe. <laughs> the divorce cinematic Jeez. Universe. DCU. But seriously, you have those uh, three, those movies. And uh, now I'm thinking of it indirectly in relation to her, which came out much later. Um, if that is the case, I have no idea. <laughs> this is yeah, just what I saw someone say that like, photographer boy it seemed like kind of like a parallel that was strange because she wanted to do her own things whatever it's a parallel that people took and i guess in her it's an ex-wife that he was very seriously in love who knows <laughs> who knows just it, it, hollywood is all just a bunch of directors just spilling the tea and just making money off of it you yeah know what i mean but if that's the case i don't think i actually like scarjo's character very much you know, like, I get it's a tough position, but it's like, you're a big girl. <laughs> to me, I don't know. That, her character bugged me a little bit. Hmm. And maybe I'm in the wrong for saying that. But I, there's, like, neglect, and then there's, like, try a little bit. I don't know. And that's on the, the husband side, not her. She's not neglecting her husband, obviously. It's the other way around. Okay. But, you know, I, it just... Hit me a little, a little, little weird that uh, the way things went down. I understand where you're coming from, but I don't know. And then Bill Murray's, I mean, obviously he has his family, right? That's his whole thing. It's like he has kids and stuff and he's still off, you know, doing things in Tokyo that he doesn't even want to do, mm -hmm. you know? And his kid doesn't even seem really interested in them. Right. Yeah. It's a very. And he doesn't seem very interested in his wife because <laughs> right. he like calls her and he's like, oh, that was a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, um. But I felt like his was maybe, to me, for some reason, a little bit more understandable just because, again, they're at the same point in their life, right? They both want out. It's just that she just got in, mm -hmm. you know? And I guess that's maybe what just put me off a little bit. It's like, at least stay a little bit. They were married for two years, so she was there for a little bit, in all fairness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Interesting. This movie also. Yeah. Sofia Coppola was nominated for Best Director... Academy Award, but but did not win. But again, two butts, two butts, did win for best writing original screenplay, which is pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I like the writing. Um, but our next movie. Speaking of the Academy Award for best oh, director, yeah, stepping in, uh, stepping up to the plate and hitting a home run is two thousand eight. We have. The Hurt Locker, directed by Catherine Bigelow. So what's The Hurt Locker about? 
Oh, right. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> the Hurt Locker is a great movie. It's one of my favies. Good. Really? One of your favies, like, of all time? It's probably in the top 15. Wow. I love The Hurt Locker. I'm Okay. I ride for The Hurt Locker to the day I die. Sure. Because there's a lot of haters of The Hurt Locker. Yeah. But they're just losers. I'm not a hater, but I'm not a blocker. I'm blocking out. During the Iraq War, a sergeant recently assigned to an army bomb squad is put at odds with his squad mates due to his maverick way of handling his work. Yeah. Yeah. So you have Hawkeye and Falcon. Hawkeye and Falcon, yep. I mean, yeah. And they're the bomb squad people, and he's kind of like a... Junk adrenaline junkie, <laughs> like you know. Yes, he comes off that way. Reminded me of the free solo dude. Yeah, he's very reckless the way he mm-hmm. disarms bombs. Yeah, he's a very selfish person, and I don't like him at all. At all, it's not a great person. Yeah, he puts his team at risk like all the time, mm-hmm. nonstop, even shooting them. <laughs> not a great guy. Uh, what but is, but. He always dismantles the bomb. He does. He does get the job done. And only like one person died directly because of him. Only one. And it happened to be like a little kid. Yeah, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so it's fine. Um, What is it about this film that really gets you? Obviously, I think, even though I see a lot of people complain about it, the actual filmmaking, the cinematography, the documentary style they went for mm-hmm. was the ex- intense shaky cam. Yeah. Fast editing. Extremely effective. Um, especially if you think that at the time that would have been like the news footage kind of that you might've been seeing would yeah. have been similarly done. Mm-hmm. It was probably very effective. I was like, what? Very young, <laughs> pretty young when this movie came out. Yeah. So I don't know if it hit me. I, I'm trying to think when I first watched this movie, I was probably like 13. When I first watched this. Yeah, probably me too. Yeah, I think I was about then. And I remember not remembering a lot of it back then. So yeah. I, I did rewatch it and stuff. And it, yeah, it's good. And I think that that choice to go with that style of filmmaking was a great one. And I don't know what people are complaining about. The film is pretty clear like 90% of the time, I think. As far as shaky cam and... and Oh, yeah. I was like, it was done well. I know what's happening. It's Mm. not... Because there's shaky cam where it's like, what the fuck? Where is Superman? You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) And then there's shaky cam where it's like, oh, I'm in the action. It's like immersive. Mm. And I think it accomplishes it without being confusing at at all. Yeah, definitely. There's nothing like where you're like, oh, I don't know what's happening. Right. You know exactly what's happening. So on a technical aspect right off the bat, this movie's great. Oh, it's fantastic. It's probably one of my favorite, if not my favorite thing about the movie. It's phenomenal. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I really love the performances also. Yeah. That's great. Um, especially Jeremy Renner. He just like totally goes into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and even Anthony Mackie a lot too. Yeah. as like the, he's the guy that's like mainly at odds with him mm-hmm. most of the time. Um, they just both turn out really great performances. You just totally believe that Jeremy Renner is just like this total asshole dude. Who's <laughs> just like, yeah, whatever. I'm yeah. going to take my headset off. While we're like completely surrounded and yeah. just defuse this bomb. No Without problem. any protective gear. Yeah, I'm just take all my gear off. Yeah. No problem. Um but yeah though, and I just think like every not every but like 
almost every scene is like totally memorable and like just rewatchable. Like you can look it up on YouTube. You can be like right scene by hurt, scene. Yeah, yeah. Be like the Hurt Locker opening scene, the Hurt Locker right. diffuse car bomb scene, mm. the, the Hurt Locker, Locker. Dune, like sand dune scene. Yeah, yeah. the sniper scene, yeah. which I wanted to say yes that i think this movie has literally the best sniper scene in any like war movie that's pretty good <laughs> yeah I, it's, it's my favorite um you know a lot of people like the same private ryan one but, right that's the one that comes to mind but i'm just a big fan of the the way in the sniper scene they're there for so long mm-hmm. and he's just looking through the scope forever and you can see like the crust and like the dust like sitting on his and the fly eyes, and the literally fly flying, just like crawling in his him. eye <laughs> yeah literally on his eye and he's still just holding completely steady yeah and they're like you know looking whatever they're trying to get any type of water they can they got like one juice box right yeah yeah um they got a spit on the bullets because the blood is like making them jam he's got like spit on it and he's wiping it and yeah like, you know so very very intense. Really great, very immersive movie. A lot, I've see a lot of people say that it kind of like tails oh, off towards okay. the end with like the kids subplot and stuff, which like I get sort it sort of. But for me, I'm I'm still like totally in on it. Mm. And then the end, <laughs> I yeah. like the end okay. when he's just like, you know what? Screw my family. I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna defuse bombs for the rest of my life. All right, which won't be very long. I bet. <laughs> What do you think about the idea of romanticizing this kind of stuff? What do you mean? In the context of this film. Do you think this film does that? No. Okay. I think it shows that what happens when you do romanticize that, like the bad things that can come from that because jeremy renner is kind of the dude who's like oh yeah i fucking love this shit right yeah he's the one that goes after he's like i need justice i need blah blah, blah. yeah he's like oh, yeah, I, I think love this. the film between that uh aspect and the asshole like lieutenant dude who's like you're a wild dog you're a wild man you got you know he's like always hyping him up or whatever and he's he like pretty sure he like orders the one guy he's like oh his wounds are you know he'll get through and he's like no he won't right and the guy's like shoot him it's showing, you know, the the two sides of it, I think. Mm. Obviously, it can't be a total takedown of the American military because they probably had a large hand in the making of the film. Right. <laughs> but um, I thought it was effective, at least in balancing the idea of look at the cool action scene and then this is awful. Yeah, right. You yes. Know? The only thing I think that maybe could have been done a little bit better is the civilian aspect on the other side. Mm. You know, I feel like maybe that was a little underplayed. Um, the close they get is with the kid, you know. Um, but overall, I think it handles it. I think she juggles those things very, very well. Yes. Yeah, fantastic. And I wish Catherine Bigelow would make another movie. <laughs> yeah, she hasn't made a movie since Detroit, Detroit. in like 2017. Yeah, yeah, it's been a second. It's been a hot second. So we need we need her to come back. By the way, this movie won like a million Oscars. Yeah. And best picture and best director and best everything because it's the best. Snapping for. And Catherine Bigelow, hello. First woman to ever win, only woman to ever win the best director Oscar. Booyah. So, you know, maybe until this year where we get a second <gasps> winner. Oh. Looking at you, Chloe. Maybe. Make it happen. Looking at you, Patty Jenkins for One Woman 1984. Patty Jenkins is a good director, though. <laughs> like, it's just, just Wonder Woman is just not a good movie. It's not working. It's got to be. I remember she had an interview where she was like, oh, yeah, Wonder Woman 1984 
the ending was supposed to be completely different, but the studio was like, nah. Like, I really feel like those movies are a result of studios being like, no, oh, definitely, no, you know? So, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? The next year, the very next year, next film we're talking about. You'd already seen this? Which one are we? Fish Tank. No. I oh, okay. just, by the time that we talked, I already watched it. Oh, sweet. Like, sweet earlier sweet. in the week. Okay, cool. Directed by Andrea Arnold. 2009. Fish Tank. Is it about a fish? Is it about tanks? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Everything changes for a 15-year-old Mia when her mom brings home a new boyfriend. Michael Fassbender. Yes. yes. Uh, yeah, that's what it's about. I'd say that's what it's about. Yeah, no, that, yeah, that's that's close. <laughs> this is probably the longest movie? How long is this movie? No, the piano is the longest. Two and three, two hours. Oh, wait, maybe oh, it'd be tied then, maybe. Yeah. This movie did feel kind of long. I agree. Yeah. Uh, I read, I didn't read the whole thing, so it might not, I don't know what it's about, but I read that the actress in this was not an actress. She was just some girl that apparently was having a large ac- argument in public and the director was like, do you want to be in my movie? And she was in the movie. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, I'll so you ha- it. So you have this girl, they're like British or whatever, and they talk like this, and they're like, oh, you, fuck your mum. Hey, I get off, get away from the horsey. <laughs> what did she say right at the beginning to the dude in the window? She's like, leave a message for him. Tell him that her dad's a cunt. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. So it's screaming like that like the whole time. It's fun. They got the accent, so you know it's bearable. Because you're just like, oh, I didn't know you could call someone that and be considered an insult. <laughs> you know? She wants to dance. She wants to be a dancer. She won't be in a hip hop crew. And uh, her mom's, you know, like skanky kind of. Her little sister is a potty mouth. Her little sister's like seven or something. Yeah, she's like, fuck you. He's like, fuck you, cunt. <laughs> Say, all right. Um, so she's trashy. Her mom gets a new boyfriend, Michael Fassbender, and he's a cool dude. Heck yeah. He can catch fish with his bare hands. He can work at a security place. He makes good money, you know. He knows how to dance, kind of. He knows how to sleep with an underage girl. Like <laughs> <laughs> He's got it all. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, slowly kind of forms this relationship with Mia, which culminates in him, you know, taking advantage of her in that way. And that leads to a serial series of events where you find out that he's married and he has a daughter Yikes. and this is the part of the movie that was the weirdest to me so she finds this out so she goes to his house and pisses on his carpet yeah well, <laughs> <laughs> that was so great and then she does something else she kidnaps <laughs> his daughter his like five year old daughter yeah she does that and then she pushes her into the ocean she accidentally pushes her into the ocean of which she cannot swim i think she did it on purpose probably but yeah. then was like wow oh, shit she's, she's gonna, gonna die, die. <laughs> she's gonna die right so she helps her out and then she just like returns her i'm still not sure and i'm i'm assuming that even she didn't know what she was gonna do with the kid that was kind of the point it was just like an impulsive she's a 15 mm-hmm. year old like this is the worst thing that i could do to him right now so let's do it but obviously, when she realized, like, oh, a kid's going to die, she snaps out of it and she returns it. That's what I took from her plan, was that there was no plan. Yeah. 
Um, she returns it, okay. and then she's just like, okay, I guess I'll just walk home. So Michael Fassbender drives up, <laughs> chases her down a field, catches up to her, turns around, and gives her, like, the meanest backhand I've ever seen. Yeah. She's just, and she spins, like, oh, jeez. And he stops. Yeah, he stops there. Did you expect him to stop there? No, I thought it was about to be SmackDown versus Raw. That's what I thought. I thought she was about to get, like, eliminated. <laughs> eliminated like i didn't think he was gonna kill her but like i thought she you know was gonna look very ugly for her dance audition Mm -hmm. but no he stops and just leaves and then she goes to her dance audition she's like fuck this i don't want to dance and just leaves yep and then the decision at the end of the film is to get out is to go with the boy that she'd met early in the film and go to somewhere else school somewhere else maybe go somewhere else go somewhere else and leave Flynn behind. Is that the sister? The dog. The dog's name. The sister was Tyler. Yeah. It's my sister Tyler. She's a bit of a cunt. (laughs) (laughs) Oi, fuck off. That's what they would say. It was, I was like, this movie's fine. Yeah. Um, I really liked the part. I want to say it was right after they woke up in the morning after having relations relations and he was driving out of the parking lot and the camera followed her as she ran down to the parking lot. It was like going through her tiny apartment. She like smacked, smashed open the door and was like running. It was like, ah, oh, and then she was like Christoph or whatever his name was. I liked that part. It was not Christoph. Connor. Connor. Okay. Uh, I thought that was a very good part. Otherwise, visually it didn't like blow me away. Yeah, nothing nothing too special pretty there. Normal looking, yeah. I guess the real, Strength of the movie was just like the banter, basically, you know, mm-hmm. and I think uh, just the development of this young girl who's, you know, kind of being uh, at a certain point, definitely uh, not hypnotized, <laughs> manipulated, hypnotized, <laughs> where's my mind at today, manipulated, you know, into doing things she might not mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. I yes. Think good. I would recommend this movie for people. Sure. I, yeah, if you like movies, I would recommend this movie. Okay. I put it, like, on the same line as, like, Tangerine, basically. It gave me Tangerine vibes at certain points. That's good. Th- that's a good thing yeah. to say right there. Next, in 2010, from Deborah Grenick, we have Winter's Bone. Starring J-Law. I've been meaning to watch this movie for since it came out. <laughs> Same, though. Yeah, that's how it's been. I think it was on one of my DVDs. It was like the preview video, you know? Yeah. Before DVDs. One of them was was Winter's Bone. I was like, I need to see that. Gotta see it now. What happens? An unflinching Ozark mountain girl hacks through dangerous social terrain as she hunts down her drug-dealing father while trying to keep her family intact. Yep, that's perfect. That is pretty good. The main strength... Of this film. So basically, she needs, at a certain point, she needs to prove that her father is dead so that she doesn't, like, get evicted. Yeah. That's kind of, like, the, the deal. And she'll get a bunch of money, too. Um, the main strength, I think, of this film is what it holds back, which is the intense and, like, deeply rooted social connections and, like, hierarchy of this illegal, like, drug like caravan yeah in the middle of the ozarks you know it's like thump is like the dude and then you got these people are right below him and it's like this cabal 
of all these people that they really only hint at and never fully flesh out mm. because she doesn't care. She just wants to find her dad, you mm. know? Um, and it's, it's something you see cause her mother's around, but she's kind of sick in the head. She's like catatonic basically. You know, it's something you see where you see like older sister taking the role of the mother. It's very common. Theme. Just like Katniss Everdeen's mom. No, yeah. Connections with J-Law. Yeah. Maybe it's the same universe. <laughs> I saw a thing where someone was like, this is just the, this is just a montage of Katniss Everdeen surviving in District 12. <laughs> yeah. There you go. So yeah, okay. But I really thought that was a strength was like the mystery of it, of like mm. who is part of this, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I really, really like that. Um, yes, I would agree. And then um, one thing I found interesting is, is it does, but it doesn't. This movie, it doesn't like have a climax yeah. or like an ending. It just kind of like goes and then it stops. The climax, I would say, would probably be her. The boat part. The boat. Yeah, that would. Yeah, that would have to be it because. Because right after the boat, she's like, mm, here's his hands. Yeah, it's over. And then they're like, oh, okay, here you go, money. Yeah, so basically they're like, yeah, we did kill him, our bad. Here's where he is so you can find him. And they're the part that got me was like, you can't just do one hand. He could have just cut off one hand. You need both hands so they know that he's actually dead. It's yeah. Like, okay. It's very strange. But it, was messed up. It's a part where she is stuck in the middle of this, so she can't get help from the law because they're like, oh, we know you people mm. you know it's like we know what you do even though she's just the kid of a drug dealer yeah. and the drug dealers are like you're not a drug dealer <laughs> get away from us yeah you know? so she's stuck in the middle of this power struggle and like i said the lack of what we know is really the strength of the film and mm. then still trying to take care of the kids i feel like maybe the kids could have had a slightly larger role in the grand scheme of things yeah they're just kind of like playing in the background yeah they kind of take up space usually yeah but just uh, being cute yeah it works, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. Solid film. Solid film. The performance? Oh, yeah. J-Law? Knockout. Killing it. And, um, oh, what's his name? The Teardrop. Teardrop. Yes, yes, yes. The uh, father's brother. Why is he not, like, right at the beginning? John Hawks. John Hawks. This is a very good job as well. Mm. And I don't know if you noticed the lady that takes her on the boat. Yes. You realized who that was? I know, but I know that I know it. I ain't no skank. Wendy? <laughs> Wendy. Okay. That's, that was, that was from like, Breaking Bad. Yes, Wendy making a triumphant return. I was thinking, I was like, damn, I know her. What is she from? <laughs> Wendy. There we go. That's it. Yep. Pretty Winter's great. Bone. I liked it. Check it out, guys. Especially if you're a J-Law fan. You're a J-Law fan. You're missing out. Yeah. This was like basically right when she was starting to blow up. Yeah. This was like kind of like the Very beginning. Early on. And she might return soon. Who knows? I know yeah. she decided to take kind of a break from acting for a little bit. So we'll see when she comes back. Yeah. Now we have another movie. The very next year from Lynn Ramsey. Mm. Originally a book, I believe. We need to talk about Kevin. Now listen, guys. Did I pick this movie to be on the list just so that I could make Nick watch it? Yes. <laughs> would I do it again? Not for this movie, but for a different movie. Yes, I would. I'd already seen this movie. I like this movie. It's not great. I will say that right out. I do not think this movie is great. I think this movie has some flaws. But I still very much liked it. What did you think about this movie? What's it about? Kevin's mother struggles to love her strange child, despite the increasingly dangerous things he says and does as he grows up. 
but Kevin is just getting started, as his final act will, will be beyond anything anyone imagined. Except for me. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, it says any, beyond anything anyone imagined. Not me. When would you call it? Well, no. like <laughs> Not like... <laughs> oh, you can think of worse things that you would have done? Well, I mean, maybe you could have done some really well, bad stuff. Yeah, okay, yes, you can think of something, whatever. But, you know. So, Kevin's a weird little kid and demon child. He's a little demon child. This movie hops between two timelines. It's him when he's a child growing up and after the event, you know. Which is, yeah, which is in the dark until the end. Of the until movie. the end, yeah. We don't exactly know what happened. Obviously, something very bad. Very bad because he is in prison. He's in prison and she's being like harassed on the street. Yeah, people are like, like throwing fuck shit. Fuck you! Like, hope you burn in hell. Yeah, exactly. Why did I say it like fish tanked? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, what do you think? Should we get more into the plot? Like, I mean, it's really just him being a weirdo until the end. Yeah, it's just the movie leaves like a breadcrumb trail of. Him being a very troubled child. And it, it really feels, I don't know if this was in the intent, but it almost feels as like it's the mom retracing when did it go wrong. You mm-hmm. know, when he was a baby, okay, this happened. When he was like a toddler, I broke his arm or whatever. She threw him across the room and broke his arm. You know, it's like when he was a kid, he would put strawberry on his white bread and eat it, strawberry jam, and just eat it like that. Like just strawberry jelly. He would hold the N64 controller by both the ends instead yeah, of the middle. instead of the middle, just both ends. Like that's when you're like, okay, we need a... 38-month abortion. <laughs> you know. Uh, um, very weird guy. And Ezra Miller, I thought he was great. I yeah, loved him. really good this. in I thought he's super creepy. And yeah. it's like probably my favorite role that he's been in that I've seen. Mm-hmm. You know, I, mean, he's, I would actually probably agree with that. He's great in Perks of Being a Wallflower too, but this is just like another, more for him to dig into, I think. Yeah. So w- we need to talk about Kevin. What's up with Kevin? He's a murderer. <laughs> yes. Okay. So the end of the film is his father is kind of, he's like, oh, Kevin's fine. You know, he's whatever. His sister's a little girl. So who cares? And the mom's like distant to say the least, you know, she senses that something's kind of like going on. It ends with him taking a, is it a crossbow or just a bow and bow arrow? And arrow? A bow and arrow into his school and gymnasium and just like taking out as many kids as he can in his high school. That's how the movie that's and his dad and, and his, his dad and his sister. Yeah, he also kills them, which was like really the oh. Um, and then he says a line at the end, and I can't remember it. Can you please remember the one where she asks him why? Yes, he says. Here, let me do my Ezra Miller impression. Okay. I used to think I knew why. But now I'm not so sure. That was great. That was fantastic. <laughs> Give you thank the, you, you thank you the award. You get a staggy for that. There you go. Yes, my first staggy. Um, which really I felt turned a lot of the film on its head almost because mm. it's like, is Kevin just this born evil maniac, you know, or did did something happen, you know? And what I took from the film is that his mother, Tilda Swinton, who is also very good in this film, yeah, great just did not love him ever definitely not when he was when she was pregnant she hated him when she gave birth she felt nothing you know it's like she just never loved him and that i think that is what turned him into this 
you know, monster, I guess you would say, is that he just wasn't loved, you know? And, uh, I mean, his dad, I'm sure there's love, but he's, his dad also seemed like flippant, almost like carefree, you know, like not really digging in deep to anything. Just kind of like, Oh yeah, fun times. Mm -hmm. And you know, that could be part of it too. But I, I, I felt like the stem of it was that Tilda Swinton did not love her son and could not like, it's just what she didn't have the capacity, you know? And just for, it could be a mix of both just for whatever personality type he was that led him down this path. You know, maybe if he was more like his little sister, he would have been fine or whatever, but just the type of person he was born as certain proclivities that he had predisposed led him to not cope with it very well. Not cope with it very well. At Some all. might say. Some might say. I liked it. The color red is a very important color in the film. Lots of red. Lots of red. What is the red? Is it many things? Is it one thing? Hmm. I always thought the red was probably like the guilt that the mom felt of not being able to like prevent it all. Mm. You know? It's like... But then what does that make like the opening scene as when she's being like it's foreshadowing of the guilt it's all the guilt at once is all that red is all the guilt that she will feel by the end okay makes sense maybe i don't know i'm just guessing strawberry jam is red <laughs> i don't know that part's terrible it's so bad he it's just disgusting puts the jam all over the bread and, and it's a lot and it's loses yeah and then he just like leaves with it it's the movie it's the worst it's the lowest point of the movie because it's so awful and there's that one time where he like spits on it and like slams it on the table <laughs> and just like looks at her. It's just gross, dude. It's an uncomfortable movie. Did you? What do you feel about it? You liked it a lot, or I, did, I actually did like this movie quite a bit. I thought you said you didn't think it was great. I I, just, I would say that it's great. Well, maybe I'll give it a rewatch because it was a while ago. I want to say it was five or six years ago now that I watched it. Um, I yeah, I'm, I'll give it a rewatch. I remember thinking it was really good, but I didn't think it was like fantastic like 10 out of 10 that's what i'm saying no yeah it's not a masterpiece but yeah. i that's what's pretty i was very not moved but like mm. intrigued yeah like the yeah. whole time i was like wow it, you say you say it all the time not you personally but everybody who's read the book is like oh this sucks but they're like it's you can't put every scene in a book in a movie you only have so much time mm. i think People were also saying that they were confused about, like, the timeline. I'm like, it's really not that hard. Yeah, what? It's, like, just, like, her haircut changes. Like, yeah, I was never confused, one. like, literally once. Literally once. So, it's confused. people who are just not paying attention, like, you got to at least try a little bit if you watch this mm. movie. I thought it was good. I'm glad you liked it, and I'm glad yes. you finally watched it. Cool. Same so, year. Same year, though. The same freaking year. Same we year. have another freaking movie. 2011 still. We have Pariah from D. Rees. A Brooklyn teenager juggles conflicting identities and risks friendship, heartbreak, and family in a desperate search for sexual expression. Yeah, that's what happens. That is what happens. Another 90-minute film. Yes. Fantastic. Oh. Oh, chef's kiss. Perfection. Sign me up. I, this might be weird to say just off the bat, I really like the dad in this movie. Dude. Tell me about so, it. So good. By far the best. By far the best character. It's not close. We focus on Lee or Alika, right? Mm. And uh, she's a young girl and she's struggling with her self-identity. She is a lesbian. And uh, 
it's her family's not cool with that. <laughs> it's not that it's not that cool. And she's obviously set in her ways, so she's giving off a lot of signs and everything. The mother is very concerned about it the whole film and is trying to get the dad to act. The dad's choosing to ignore it and hope that's just a phase or whatever. Mm-hmm. Culminates in a climax where they can't ignore it. You know, she comes out and it's very explosive. The mm-hmm. mother attacks her even. Yeah, that was you know? yeah, 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 that was a lot. Uh and she runs off and everyone eventually comes to terms with it and she chooses instead of coming back home she's not running away but she chooses to kind of move on with her life and go on to college and everything mm. and just continue living you know and i thought that was a very good message yeah it's, I like it's that not running away mm-hmm. it's choosing like a better life you yeah. know i very much enjoyed that yeah yeah it's very very good i thought that another great addition to this film that is not that often seen in movies like these at least to me was the other girl that she gets with, you know, the girl from church or whatever that messed around with her. They, I don't know how far exactly they went. I'm not sure, but they like kissed everything and came off of it and was like, look, Hey, we messed around, but you know, I'm not actually, I'm know, not gonna, gay, bro. She, yeah. She's like, I had sex with you, but I'm not gay. Like I'm not what? Gay. Like, Gross. No homo. But I mean, that's like a real thing, you know? Yeah. That's the thing that a lot of people experience. Usually I would say not to that far, but there's definitely a ton of people who will tease that, you mm. know, because maybe they like just the attention. Maybe they just like the attraction. It's like, oh, look, this person likes me. I'll kind of mess with them a little bit. But once I've had my fun, it's like, okay, but realistically, I'm not going to be with you, you know? Mm. And I feel like that's a lot more common. And I'm glad that that was shown this movie because I was like, yeah. Um, And of course, they're, I mean, I thought their acting together was also really good. Those two. Oh, yeah. The young actresses. Yeah, great. Yeah, I thought they're f- phenomenal together. Um good chemistry and it's i don't know if it's just i guess it's not particular to a black community but there is a lot of homophobia in the black community as well and i think that's part and why she showed the reaction to her actually saying the words i am a lesbian so explosively Mm. you know especially because it had building been building up in the mom for such a long time and I love that it refused to give it like a fairy tale ending. The dad came to terms with it like barely, it seemed, mm. and the mother couldn't even say "I love you" to her daughter. Yeah, that, that was hard. That was heartbreaking. You know, she's saying like "I love you," and the she mom says, was just like, "Yeah, she's like, she's, she's really crying." Like, yeah. and she's like, "I'll pray for you." Right? She's like, "I'll pray for you," and just leaves. You know? Yeah. And that's like, assumedly the last time she'll see her daughter for like years, maybe. You know? Mm. And uh, you get kind of the the same similar arc with her best friend Laura mm. you know I th- Laura yeah let's find out and with her mother and also being completely rebuffed yes. by her you know like going through that it's like oh I got my GED and just being completely like You're yeah dead she, to me yeah you know? she didn't even say anything um I thought it was just a very effective portrait my biggest complaint <laughs> about the movie okay is more on the technical side of just the shot variety and composition mm. yeah a little I bland. thought a lot of it was a little too close. I was missing those wides a lot of the time. It was a lot of like shoulder up, you know, and I was like, come on, give me a little bit more than that. It was probably like, especially near the end of the film, I was like, man, I really don't know what her shoes look like ever. <laughs> That's not the point. What po- do her shoes look like? That's not the point of it, but it's shot variety and stuff and composition like that. You know, you want a little bit of that to keep people, you know, uh, engaged with the film. And I was yeah. missing a little bit of that. Just to talk technically about it. The the use of color, though, was wild mm. in this film. It was off the charts. You know, that was obviously a creative decision, which I think paid off, especially when you're shooting, you know, like black skin. You know, it's doing things like that. You see it in Moonlight, you know, it's the same kind of deal. 
of using these very bright colors to mm. well done as far as the lighting goes. I'd agree. Uh, one thing I thought was kind of funny. I don't know if you caught this, but I, I thought this was funny. Um, it's like right, right at the end of the movie when there's like the rooftop scene where she's talking with her dad. Yeah. I don't know why, but I swear that set is exactly the same as in the room, the room. when Tom Wise I was like, did not hit her. I did not. Well, I'm pretty sure they were actually on a roof and the room was in a, on a stage. Yeah. So I don't. But it's the same. It is the same though. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> I literally saw it and it like took me out of the movie for a second. I was like, I did not hit her. I did not. I did not. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I also enjoyed, even though the little sister wasn't in it very much, what she did bring to the film was literally just, hey, even though through the whole film, they're bickering sisters. It's like, get out of my room, blah, 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 until the parents are fighting, screaming, breaking stuff, you know, like really going at it. The only, the little, little sister delivers the line. It's like, hey, you know, it doesn't matter to me, right? And it's like that moment is like perfect for that kind of character where it's like, you know, this dynamic, they're sisters, right? Mm-hmm. And to bring that in at that moment is a really grounding you know she has someone she's not like hopeless you know i thought that was well done as well yes i really like pariah it, yeah it was very good very very good now that leaves us one the moment you've all been waiting for <laughs> the winner of two golden globes <laughs> best director for chloe Zhao and best picture drama for nomadland <laughs> 2020 i will say it right now and i'm like should you read the thing first or should I say it first? I don't know. Is your thing about the thing or the thingy? Just read. No, no, okay, fine. I'll say it first. I think that this movie, and maybe you'll disagree with me, is like no joke, the most like affecting, like emotional, introspective, just like awe inspiring nature documentary I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I kid. <laughs> It's really good, but uh, I, I did like a lot of the nature photography because there was quite a lot of it. Obviously, she's trekking or whatever. Mm-hmm. I liked a lot of the shots. I thought they were very well composed and everything. What's what's this movie about? After losing everything in the Great Recession, a woman embarks on a journey through the American West, living as a van-dwelling modern-day nomad. Yes. That yes. is the movie. That's that is very accurate. About. This is one of those movies that people who don't know what an internal conflict is would say has no plot (laughs) right (laughs) people who don't know what an internal conflict is right exactly um it's her she's had a you kind of get piecemeal the plot throughout the film like what happened to uh fern what a fun name fern fern you know what happened to her how'd she get to this point you know you find out that she had a husband they worked in like a community that like was reliant on a business and when it went out of business everybody had to relocate entirely so her whole life was uprooted and her husband died you know so basically she had a life and a family and a career and it all got flipped upside down in like a month Mm -hmm. you know which is obviously very tough and uh she chooses a nomadic life you know she chooses travel and this is something i don't know how true 
these communities are, like how big or anything they are, but I'm sure mm-hmm. they exist. Like, I don't know if Bob's a real dude. He might be. I don't well, know. Well, okay. That's the thing. I never like really looked into it, but mm-hmm. I heard, and I thought I was surprised when I heard that like a lot of the people in the movie are like actual, actual people. like people. Yeah. I'm not surprised by that at all. You know, I, I, you really get those vibes from it. So yeah. Just like, they just like filmed Francis McDormand, just like chilling with these peeps. Like under the skin. Yes. Literally. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but you follow Frances McDormand and she's always been good um, at that, like I said, internal struggle, you know, and just how she acts, how she says certain words, how she reacts to people saying certain things, how she reacts to help a lot of the time is mm-hmm. uh, very showing of what she's going through. And she's just trying to move on. You know, it's all mm-hmm. about grief. It's all about getting, not even getting over it, but just being able to live a life beyond just grief. You know, uh, the talk with Bob near the end about him and his son, how he can barely talk about it is Mm. very evident of that, you know? And it was just like, there were certain points of the movie and I don't know if you felt like this, but I was like, I could live in a van. Dude, literally. I was like, I, this might be kind of fun. Yeah. (laughs) You know? (laughs) No, I know what you mean. But it's like, as a vacation, sure mm. but like as your life you know you have to kind of take a second look at it and mm. be like what are you giving up you know what are you missing out on you know through this you know but there definitely is that sense of community there for those people which is great you know um yeah i would agree one thing that kind of took me off guard was um how emotion how quickly it, things got very emotional mm. For I guess like maybe for me personally, um, I mean I w- I was moved to tears probably like thirty minutes in the movie. Okay. When um I can't remember the name of her one like her best friend basically. Uh, the one at the campground or the one who fixed her van. The one that dies. Swank. Swank. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um. There's a scene where they're like in the van together having like a heart to heart. And then she just goes on this, like, ultra-long monologue mm. about, like, the meaning of life and, like, the beauty of yeah, existence. Yeah, because she's talking about her cancer diagnosis. Yeah. And she was basically recounting, like, her best memories. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I, that, like, really shook me, like, that hard. Didn't, that didn't get me. I Like, obviously, I was like, oh, that's really good. Mm. And she was talking about, obviously, the best, the biggest thing in that film was, like, she saw, like, the eggs and the water and everything yeah. and all the sparrows. The bird. So that didn't hit me until we saw the footage of that. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, here's the waterworks. I was like, fuck. Yeah. I was like, she's about to die. Yeah. That was, cr- <laughs> you oh, know? man. That's the part that definitely hit me the most was not mm. the setup of that, but the payoff. The payoff. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. What the freak is the dude's name? The love interest. The love interest, dude. Yeah, oof, I'm sorry. I watched so many movies that it's. I don't really know why none of the pictures track. are loading for any of the other people. <laughs> Maybe they don't have pictures because they're. No, they do because. Okay. I'm about to drop a bomb. Okay. The dude, I think it's Doug. Doug, that sounds right. That sounds right. Is, uh, plays Ashford in The Expanse. Oh, okay. so I saw him and I was okay. like, oh, look, it's my man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's great. Yeah. No, no, no. He adds, a much needed angle. On her like recovery, I mm. think, especially because he's such a fucking klutz. Oh, when he dropped the plates, bro, I was like, <laughs> I was like, dude, like that means something different for like people like this. <laughs> like a plate is like their life. 
Yeah. You know, it's like, I need that. So and he's, and the, actually I would, I thought he was about to take a turn. Cause during that scene, he's like, uh, she's like, just stand over there. And he's like, you don't need to yell. And I was like, bro, just take your licks. Like, yeah. you know what you did? Just be like, okay. And leave. Uh, but no, nah, he seemed to be a good guy. He was from a very nice family. Mm, yeah. Incredibly nice family. They're just like, yeah, man, come on. And he, yeah, they're just like, actually just move in because our dad loves you. And she's like, uh, <laughs> well, I don't know about that. Amazon's opening back up. Amazon will have good work again. Um, yeah. It, it's an interesting perspective of people coming together you know i think it's kind of inspirational that way that it's like let's it's hopeful that if things get rough people will at some point come together you know what i mean because these are all people you know they're around the campfire that we're all most of them grief stricken you know in some way or another Mm. who came together to support each other so it makes you just hope like if I were to ever be in that situation, I'm hopeful that you would find a community the same way. And that's like on a global scale. Like yeah. if aliens attacked and wiped out 50% of the population, let's hope we could work together and be like, let's defeat the aliens. <laughs> and then we'd have to overcome alien racism in the next thousand years when the super aliens attack. Yep. But I mean that it's, it's just the idea of people getting together in hard times and persevering. Yeah, it's great. Um definitely the the it's the front runner this year for yeah. the best picture mm-hmm. award. Hopefully Chloe Zhao is now the front runner for best director. Mm. That would be sweet. Um but yeah though, No Man Land. It's on Hulu. Watch it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's probably still the front big old poster, yeah. you know. Especially uh, now that it won some awards. I like the license plate thing they did for like the title too the poster yeah it's mm-hmm. like all the different license plates tied together i yeah. like that it's good 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 great film <sighs> phew dang that was quite a bit yeah we did it though we, we did do it with the spotlight spotlight you know what that means we finished so we're on to the reviews of the week this week you guys you got a good one? You said it was special. I do have a special one. Special. Should um, I go first? That means then? you should go first. Okay, yeah. okay. Mine's very short. Okay. Um It's one out of ten. One out of ten. Porno for psychos. If Hitler had gone to film school. <laughs> oh boy. That's the whole, no, that's it. That's the whole review. Oh. If Hitler had gone to film school, as in he would have made this movie. Hmm. <laughs> And what was the title? Porno for Psychos. Porno for Psychos. If Hitler had gone to school. The Piano. No, it's Funny Games, the one from my week, not... Oh, oh see? I know. Okay. I know, it's real. Trick me. I did. Okay. So my review. Okay. The review is somebody put a link to a YouTube video. <laughs> this is the review. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to play this YouTube video. I don't know about this. It's four seconds long. Okay. Hopefully, it'll get picked up real good. Hopefully, it's not too loud either. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. (laughs) Bo (laughs) Trevi. What's better than this? Guys Guys being being dudes. dudes. (laughs) 
That is a that and is I was a like, great that one. is the perfect. That is fantastic. <laughs> it's just the perfect. That review. is incredible. You know what else you just made me think of that I forgot? <laughs> okay. I might have mentioned it last time I talked about it. I think it was during maybe our LGBT episode, maybe? I don't know. Um, it might have been random as well. Uh, do you remember that training exercise they were doing with the hugging? Remember they would like embrace and then they would push? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was in Monos too. And Oh dude. Continue. I will remember this. The all I'm saying is that I don't know what that is. I've looked it up. I've tried looking up what that exercise is and I can't find anything about it. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's weird. I meant to say this. Okay, good. I feel like Bo Travai is like what Manos should have been. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we have like mixed feelings on Manos. You think it's a six, I think it's a six and a half. <laughs> like, it's not really mixed feelings. Well, like, our feelings collectively, like, we have mixed feelings about the movie. Not like, oh, okay, feelings sure. Are, like, yeah, okay. Opposing. But yeah, I just thought about, I thought about Manos, like, a lot when I was watching Botra. I was like, wow, these movies are, like, they could be the same, but they're not. Maybe. Because Manos is, like, not as good. And they both do the hugs. And the hugs, yeah. It must be a foreign military type deal then. I don't know. And what? Because I have friends in the military who I sent them like clips, and they were like, "I don't know what the fuck this is. It looks gay." It looks... <laughs> I would do that. It seemed intense. Well, no, it does seem intense because it's like a full-on grapple and then like a push. Like it's, yeah, and it's like for a long time. It's, it's intense. You could see like their backs are like red yeah, from like exactly, exactly, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Oh, okay. Sh- oh wait. Okay. Should we pit these people against each other? Are you gonna pick one? That's your favorite? Is it still, well, it'll still be the it's Hurt the Locker. It's the Hurt Locker. Mine would probably be Butcherby. <laughs> and then the Hurt Locker. Yeah. And then Nomadland. Mine pro- mine's probably like... If Actually, I had to no, pick I'd three... put Nomadland above... Maybe. I don't know. Maybe I'd put it above the Hurt Locker. Are we just ranking three? You want to do all of them? Oh, not all of them. No, just three. Top three? Yeah. Okay, well, mine's Hurt Locker for sure, number one. And yours is Butcherby. Yeah. I'd probably do... Hurt Locker, Lost in Translation, and then Botrevi. And then Nomadland, like, right underneath. Okay. I think I'd do Hurt Locker, Nomadland, then maybe Lost in Translation, then Kevin, then Pariah, then... uh, Clueless. Clueless? Clueless or Winter's Bone? Tied. And then uh, Piano. And then Fish Tank. Fish Tank at the bottom. And then Fat Girl. Fat Girl. Or (laughs) To My Sister. To My Sister, yeah. Amassur. 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 Yeah, it's cool. All right. Sweet. Emails. Emails, emails, emails. Did you know that you, the listener. I'm having a good time, you guys. (laughs) The listener, you, the person listening to this. When did Groot fall over? A long, long time ago. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, you can email us, the two of us, right here. Yes. At and Marilyn. The, and Marilyn and Black Phillip. <laughs> <laughs> at thestaglerpod at gmail.com. That's at, all you have to do. You can write anything you want. Comments, questions, concerns. Tell us we're stupid. Insults. Thestaglerpod at gmail.com. Sure. We got one coming in. It says. It, this is what it says. Hey, guys. I know sometimes actors slash actresses can become synonymous with certain roles. Johnny Depp is Captain Jack, Jack Sparrow. Sparrow. That's got to be the best pirate I've ever seen. Robert Downey Jr. with Iron Man. Daniel Radcliffe with, as Harry Potter. 
and there's plenty more. I think it sometimes becomes a bad thing, though, because it restricts what roles those certain actors can play. Can you think of any more actors, actresses that have fallen prey to this? And any examples of someone breaking the trend and getting out of it? Thanks. Well, when you talk about breaking the trend, my mind immediately goes to one person, and I hope it the trend continues. And that is obviously the guy who played Cedric Diggory in Harry Robert Potter. Robert Pattinson. That's exactly <laughs> who I thought of. Edward Cullen in Twilight. Robert Pattinson. That was like his thing. But he has, I think at this point, well broken out of that role. Like, if you still think he is Edward Cullen, I would recommend probably go watch Good Time. Good Time. I think Good Time's the best one to go to. Like, if you do, I mean, The Lighthouse too, but I feel like Good Good Time's what I did. Good Time was probably the first thing that I saw him in after Twilight. And it, like, really knocked me out of, like, oh, this guy is, like, for real. Mm. You know, he's not Edward Cullen. He's not a joker. Right, exactly. He's going to be fighting the Joker. He's going to be fighting the Joker as Batman, <laughs> right? He goes from being a vampire. I already made that joke. <laughs> uh, yeah, my mind directly goes to him for breaking out of those roles. He's been tremendous, and he's on an upward trajectory. You know, he should... Yeah. I don't know if the public, you know, still sees him as Edward Cullen. Maybe. I don't know. Because people still... Daniel Radcliffe is still Harry Potter. Like, it's... He... He's he has fucked. no chance. He's yeah, fucked. Daniel Radcliffe has no chance. No chance. At the all. dude is stuck forever. Uh, Johnny Depp, not really. I actually, I don't know if I agree with that. Johnny Depp is Captain Jack Sparrow. Mm. I guess to normal people, like normal people, the the wow, the public at large, get off the pedestal. <laughs> well, that I guess I was saying it as I'm abnormal. You made it seem like I'm better than people. So I think that actually is like you. <laughs> You're projecting onto me. Oh my gosh. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know. I, if someone says like Johnny Depp, I, I would say Depp. when people say Daniel Radcliffe, I think of Harry Potter. When people say Johnny Depp, I think of Johnny Depp. It's like Tom Cruise. You're kind of right. I think Johnny Depp is such like an adept actor. Yeah, he's a chameleon. That, Edward Scissorhands. I that's one of the things that I think. Yeah, about he can really just kind of do whatever, and you'll just never know. Yeah. So. Maybe not quite. There's a difference. This isn't what the question is, but there's a different question, which is what actors always get cast as the same character, you know? And that would be someone I'd say like Tom Cruise, at least in the later part of his career, is always like tough action man who does his own stunts. Like in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. You know, stuff like that. And or like Zach Galifianakis is always his character from The Hangover. He's always like fat and funny. Like, you know, that's his thing. Yeah. There's plenty of actors who are, like, typecast. I mean, that's why there's a word for it, typecast, you know? Mm. Another one that I can think of maybe is Elijah Wood as Frodo. Um, yeah. He, like, I know him as the guy, right? <laughs> but The guy. I think if you want to snap out of that and stop seeing him as Frodo, what worked for me was the TV show Wilfred, where he's, like, this pot-smoking, depressed dude, you know? Nice. Who has, like, a... He sees everybody else sees a dog because it's a dog and he sees like a man in a dog suit talking to him. And I think it's a funny show and it kicked me out of the Frodo. It was like, no, this is Elijah Wood. You know, that worked for me. Hmm. Um, I can think of two more people that are stuck forever. Okay. And can't hit me with them. They're from the same show. Okay. <laughs> Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul. They will forever be Walter White and Jesse Pinkman, and that will never stop. You never watched Malcolm in the Middle. That's true. Malcolm but... Aaron Paul, though, so far, is stuck. Very stuck. Yeah. 
he was in BoJack, but voice acting does not count. Like Mark Hamill is another one, Luke Skywalker, but he's also yeah. the Joker in voice acting. Mm. So if you take voice acting away, I would say Mark Hamill and Aaron Paul are both big choices. Yeah. I feel like if you said Brian Cranston to someone, their first thing is not Malcolm in the Middle. Maybe. Up in the air. A WandaVision had a whole episode dedicated to Malcolm in the Middle. Very nice. So Good for go. WandaVision. I would say the entire cast of The Office and... Ooh! <laughs> Ooh! Bro! John Krasinski's trying. I'm not sure he's there yet. Um, Steve Carell doesn't count, I would say. Yeah, he's a, he's immune because he was already pretty. He was already big when they did the office. So, but everybody else, John Kaczynski is desperately, desperately trying. If he gets that Fantastic Four job, he'll probably make it, and then he'll be known as Fantastic Four Man. Fantastic Four Man. <laughs> Reed Richards or whatever. He's trying. A quiet place, you know, he's doing it. But everybody else, oh, I didn't even think about that. Stuck. Yeah. Mindy Kaling is also trying. But uh, like freaking Rain Wilson, never. He has such a like. A distinctive face, a distinctive look to him. Mm. He will never run away from the office. I always think of him as the dude from Transformers Two. Do you really, the professor? Do you from really think of him 2? as the professor from Transformers Two, who's like, "Hey, stop humping or whatever." <laughs> when he eats the, when he drops the apple and yeah. he's like, "Finish that for me." <laughs> right. Good stuff. Yeah, it's good. He was also um, in like the Meg, I think. The Meg. <laughs> I think he was. In yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, the whole cast of Game of Thrones. Almost the whole cast. Almost the whole cast. Lena Headey, definitely not. Sean Bean. Sean Bean's type cast is a guy who dies, though. <laughs> so For real, though. That actually reminds me. I wanted to bring up Snowpiercer is, like, airing right now. Okay. And I have not, like, started it yet. I'm probably just going to wait till the season's over, and gotcha, then I'm going to gotcha. watch it. To, if anyone was like, oh, man, I really yeah. want to know what he thinks about Snowpiercer. And also, just so you guys know, we didn't forget about The Sopranos. We're just going to talk about it every other episode because we'll have seen a whole season by then. Yeah. So you'll be hearing about the Sopranos next episode and for like a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'll take a second. Um, we're saying that I feel like maybe a lot of TV shows because they run on for so long. Yeah. A lot of like really famous roles, TV shows. You know, like besides Jennifer Aniston and Courtney Cox, the rest of Friends are all their characters from Friends, right? Like that's yeah. another big one. Other TV shows? I don't know. And then what about superheroes? Are they stuck? Because we have Robert Downey Jr. Is Chris Evans stuck forever as the Human Torch? (laughs) 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 You got me. Right, right, right. But, like, legitimately is... uh, Would he be... Like, is uh, Chris Hemsworth Thor? He's pretty pretty deep into Thor, I'd say. You know? Yeah. Yeah, probably all the Chris's. Well, not not, not Chris, Chris Pine, not Chris Pratt, or Chris. By the way, it is unbelievable that Chris Pine is the least famous of the four Chris's. <laughs> yeah, because Chris Pine is by far, in my opinion, by far the best actor of all four of the Chris's. Chris Pratt's the worst, I would say. Yeah, you're probably right, but we love him. Yeah, you know he's great, but not. <laughs> Evans and Hemsworth though Hmm. They're Mm -hmm. close I'd probably put Hemsworth Number two Really? Just because he's funnier I think That's what I was thinking about Was his Like his comedic roles You know And I was like Hmm 
I'm not sure. I haven't seen Men in Black International, so. I, I will never see Men in <laughs> Black will never see that. Yeah. I will make it my life's mission to never see that. Uh, well, okay. I think we more than We covered everything. We covered every actor ever. We need to do a Chris Pine episode now. A like Chris Pine Pronto. episode? Okay. Because hmm. I need to go in on... Uh, can't even think of the name of the movie now. What if we did a Chris episode? Oh, I could. Hmm. It would end up just being the Chris Pine episode. Yeah, it'd be Chris, but we could get a definitive ranking. You know, Chris Pine. You're saying he's better than Christopher Plummer. Ooh, now we're going like really deep. <laughs> we go all you know, the all the every Chris, Chris Rock, uh, Chris Farley, Chris uh, Christopherson, Christoph Waltz, <laughs> Christoph. Does that count? Yeah, Chris. Sure, sure. Yeah, it counts. Yeah, we got a lot. We'll do a Chris episode. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, we'll do it. I don't maybe superhero Chris's. But for now, guys, I'd like to thank you for being here. And uh, I, I had a great time. It felt like it was so long since the last episode. I don't know what about it, but it felt. Like I know it was been just years. a long couple of weeks. A long couple of weeks. But we'll see you later. We hope you guys stay healthy. Well, next time. Oh sure, right. Yeah, damn. We're talking about the DC uh, EU. extended universe, yeah. Detective Comics extended universe. Is that what DC stands for? Yeah. Wow, interesting. Um, obviously, because Justice League, the Snyder Cut, Snyder is cut. coming out. Four hours and two minutes. So, yeah, it's literally four hours. Very cool. <laughs> um, we'll talk about all the DC movies from Man of Steel in 2013 up until to Snyder Cut. Yeah. Which, what was the latest one? Birds of Prey? Yeah. Before that? Yeah. And I haven't seen Birds of Prey or uh, Aquaman. Me too. <laughs> so that's so, the ones we'll have to catch up on. That's it. And uh, we'll be good to go. So, guys, I hope you're excited for that. I mean, how can you not be? I know. The Snyder Cut, it's like mythical. The it's Snyder legendary. Cut, it's coming. It's finally here. I don't know, guys. But till then, have fun using the word retro Bob. Bon. Retro Bon have the fun using that i expect to see it on like wikipedia or something or tv tropes very soon thank you toot sweet au revoir mes amis au revoir